bitches welcome to another episode of <laughs> halloween is forever i'm brian i'm meg i'm steve and i'm all fucking business tonight guys all business. Up. we haven't been i feel like i i mean for those of you who listen to the, to the show on a regular basis we have had three consecutive weeks where we discuss what can only be described as um a modern masterpiece uh death sember um <laughs> <laughs> on three consecutive weeks and we did it independently which was a lot of fun uh with uh with uh, each of us hosting one of uh what eight of the 24 um uh mini uh, uh short films within that giant anthology and uh so i was the first one to go so i haven't recorded in nigh on let me do the math here three weeks it's pretty, you look older it's, uh, I feel older. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm on the verge of death. We uh, are getting this motherfucking episode out uh, a day late because of your boy uh, ain't got heat at his house. That's what he told <laughs> us, at least. Yeah. As you can see, oh, no, people who are listening can't see, but you guys can see. I am currently recording um, as a 36-year-old man for my parents' basement um, <laughs> because my furnace stopped working and, uh, you know, it took forever to get somebody to fix it. And it was supposed to get fixed day and it didn't. But uh, when we were supposed to record on Friday, I was like, guys, it's 40 degrees in my house. So uh, we're a day late. And um, you know what? The money back guarantee, I think, is in effect here. So you all get your money back. <laughs> on that uh that free fucking episode of the podcast that mm -hmm. was a day late yeah. um that's all right guys it's tuesday for those of you listening tuesday's just as good of a day to listen to podcasts as monday is yeah you know what i mean don't be a dick about it um <laughs> i we're also staring at steve i the way your head is positioned steve i'm only seeing one and elongated pierced nipple on garfield mm -hmm. behind you um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's uh dare i say arousing i um, hope everyone saw the dance moves he had too on that yeah. video it was so yeah. it was so erotic oh, i was gonna say it kind of is like a really like cradle of filth-esque like influence over here it's the vibes i'm getting you know I mean, what? there's a lot of influences into it i mean yeah. there's you know there's the cradle of filth corpse paint but then there's mm -hmm. also the gg allen american flag bikini bottom right so there's just a lot going on there, there's there's also the uh the uh bad dudes fingerless fingerless gloves mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah so and and then you know the the giant elongated pierced nipples i mean that could be from any number of uh of holiday classics um but that's not what we're talking about today guys we're here to talk about our showdown for the fucking month of january and we are going to be discussing back to school uh was our topic so we are going to be discussing uh horror flicks that have uh uh, a school, an academic setting of sorts, um, or take place at a school or something along those lines. So if you haven't listened to previous episodes, uh, our lovely listeners and social media friends helped us to decide 
that topic. And we each chose a, uh, a movie and we'll remind you of what they are here in a second when we start talking about them. But before we do that, I will remind you that if you care to help us uh, decide these topics in the future, give us suggestions or just see some spooky yuki shit on the internet, um, you can give us a little follow over on Instagrams at Halloween is forever at Halloween, hello forever. Oh God, it's been too long at hello yep. forever on Twitter. <laughs> Halloween is forever podcast on Facebook. I think it's at Halloween is forever pod on a uh, little ticky talkies. Um, and, uh, Halloween is forever pod Gmail. If I says an email, cause we also do that sometimes. Um, but Dude, I have to give you so up. many props on that because I definitely, when on my episode, yeah, I definitely painful. had to write, oh, fuck you. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I you fucked it up just as bad as me, and now you feel my pain. <laughs> I was going to give you props, and now I'm about to take them back Well, real it's fast. Worse for, it's worse for you that you said you wrote it down and still fucked it up. <laughs> so I now you're like, did Charlie I actually, Day. I didn't fuck it up. Did I fuck it up? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I was just you a hard oh, okay. time. But, um, <laughs> All right. I, I, genuinely, I was just trying you know? to paint you as a Charlie Day style, like illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off. So, um, well, listen, before we get into all that hoopla, um, I don't know about you guys. I've had a hell of a fucking week and it's only Monday. Um, so I am drinking me some damn beers. Actually, the beer I'm drinking right now is not the beer I was going to drink for the podcast, but I got two beers in front of me. Um, I have a bunch beer from uh, 11th Hour Brewing in uh, in Lawrenceville, in beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is like, um, I think the, the elevator speech on what a bunch beer is, it's kind of one of those like historical styles type of thing, but it's basically... Uh, probably quickly described as a cross between a Kolsch and a wit beer. Hmm. Uh, kind of a German interpretation of a of, of a wit beer, perhaps, without you know some of the the you know coriander and orange peel, but it's got that kind of slightly spicy, you know, kind of isoamyl acetate forward kind of fermentation character, but it's a little cleaner and it's a little bit more, you know, it doesn't have like the unmalted wheat and things like that you usually get in a whipped beer. So it drinks a little bit but a little bit uh uh more, I want to say lager like, but a little bit more highly attenuated, a little crisper, but it's got some of those yeast uh, esters and phenols going in there. But the beer that I'm looking forward to cracking here in a hot sec uh, is Rodenbach Alexander, um, which uh, for those of you who are familiar with Rodenbach, that's a, a, a sour beer brewery in uh, the north of Belgium. And uh, they are famous for doing their, uh, their Flanders red ales. And this is a uh, a, a food or beer, which is, you know, their Flanders red ale. And it is macer- uh, red ale macerated with juice from sour cherries. Mm, Fun. That sounds so, so Like a Flanders, yeah, like a Flanders red, Flanders red with uh, sour cherries. So looking I forward to it. I was reading it earlier. Awesome. They got, I love me some Rodenbach. Mm-hmm. Rodenbach, regular Graham Crew. The, uh, oh boy, what was the one that they made? Is that called like Lolita or something like that? It was really fucking good. That had like cherries and a couple other fruit fruits in the uh, in the Flanders red. But by God, does uh, does uh, is there a um, just gorgeously written um, descriptor? It's like a paragraph on the back of this bottle. And I was reading, it, I was going like, I need to understand what this beer is. And I'm reading down through it, and then I flip <laughs> over, and it just says in big letters in the front, "Raildale macerated with uh, with juice from sour cherries." So <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I'm reading the cliff notes here tonight. Um, what do you guys got? What kind of beers is? 
Oh, I am sipping on a Grist House Ninja Schnitzel, which yeah. I don't know if you guys saw. It's kind of a really funny label, and it cracks oh, me see, up yeah. every time. But um, just like a dark lager. Coined is actually a Schwartz beer, but it's nice. It's super drinkable. Yeah. Oh, it's a cool uh, glass. Oh, yeah. It's an old Brutal Beer Fest glass. Mm. Fun. Mm. Yeah. Are you going to, as it's... you drink that, are you going to top it with uh, blue light? You're just going to finish Probably. Just, just dilute it with blue light. <laughs> it's my sidecar, dude. <laughs> hey, I'm not drinking a Bloody Mary, so we don't yeah, take this shit. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do the Rodenbach, and then I'm going to have the Bollinger beer as my, as my sidecar here. Do you call that a Schwartz and Tan if you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Beer humor, you guys. That was actually, you know, you thought that joke was fucking corny. You should have heard the one he said before we got on the air. When I said something about Meg was saying something about she said some blue lights, uh, Labatt blue lights, of course. And uh, she was talking about her coworker said she got some, she said, I got some blue lights in my car. And I said, you know, when you hear somebody say they got some blue lights in their car, you're talking to a real one. And Steve goes, or a cop. <laughs> blue yeah. lights in your car, so you get it? <laughs> Hell yeah. Flashing lights. <laughs> um, what do you got, Steve? Oh, little Schlinkerla. Yes. A little Schlinkerla. Yeah. Or, uh, is that the Urbach or is that the Meritzen? It tell. is the Urbach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, actually, I, I don't know. I prefer the Urbach over the Meritzen, but I do like both of them very much. Mm-hmm. I think the only one I don't like from Schlinkerla is their seasonal um, Christmas release. Because they, yeah, it's sweet. It's not done with uh, beech wood. It's done with a different uh, type of beer or type of wood. Yeah, it's not like all. It's not alder wood, but it's something like that. It's a little no. earthier. It's a little earthier, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't had it many in many years, but I like their Hellas too. Yeah, yeah, the Hellas is good. It's mm-hmm. great because it, it's not actually fully smoked. It's just run through the same system, so it just pulls off all the smoke flavor. Yeah. So it's a it's a little lighter, but yeah, the Hellas is really it, good. It's an entire beer that is uh, that is basically uh, built off of phenolic carryover. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's I, I think the main thing they do they always heard was um, yeah they obviously ferment in the same same tanks and everything that that has the uh, and transfer through all the same hoses and everything that has the you know the smoke beer goes through. But I think they also pitch cone to cone on their yeast, so they're mm. pitching yeast from a super smoky beer onto a halus and, and that's oh, okay. what it kind of comes through. Um, and that phenolic air whoever, but god damn i love schlenkerla one of my one of my all-time favorite beers yeah i haven't had it in a minute i, it, it. It, I love it because it's obviously an import everybody mm-hmm. gets it that way but like it's only six bucks yeah like that's yeah <laughs> that's six the, bucks for yeah one of the best beers in the world yeah for a pint of a of a smoke beer that's great yeah i love uh i love the fact that's why people are always like, why, why do you think beer? Like, why aren't you into wine? You're into like the sensory aspect of it and the production and everything. And I was like, cause I can afford to buy some of the best beers in the world and enjoy them. And if I was into wine, I couldn't, but like, what am I, I'm going to spend $20,000 on a bottle of wine. I'd, right. Even if I could afford it, I would never do it, which I obviously can't, but I, uh, it's, but that's like one of the best, best things about beer is like, it's so accessible. You don't have to be fucking bajillionaire. Mm-hmm. But uh, listen, I'll get off my soapbox because we're not here to talk about beer and socioeconomic issues. We're talking about back to school horror movies. So let's figure out order first, because I just occurred to me that I'm responsible for deciding what the order is. I think I will probably go back to my old uh, uh, technique, which is just kind of slap myself in the middle there. Um, And I think if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I had... 
Meg go first last time I won. Is that accurate? Oh, come on. I can't mm, remember that? that kind of shit. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm trying to remember which one you won last. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I don't really know. That's I, right. I, I, I will say yes. Simply yeah. because I never had Meg get mad at me for making her go first. Okay, I definitely have. So, and you yeah. definitely have. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, so we'll go Steve, me, Meg. Okay. Does that sound All like right. a plan? Yeah. Sure. So let's let's remind let's remind the listeners before we jump into it. Steve, what what are you going to be talking about today? So I will be talking about the 1997 Scream Two. Hmm. Hmm. I will be talking about uh, the classic 1986. <laughs> Night of the Creeps. Be, be, by the way, Steve, not to get completely off topic, but you <laughs> were plugging your movie so hard on the episode you hosted <laughs> with uh, Decaying with the Boys Crew and with Adam from Hop Nation uh, USA. You were putting in, you were shameless about your about your movie. You're like, it's really better than the first one for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I was, I was like, fuck you. I, you all had the same opportunities. <laughs> I hadn't picked my movie yet when I, when I, well, it. whose fault is that? That's true. That's true. Um, that's all right. And- sorry, Meg, what'd you get? And I've got the 1976 film Carrie. So you guys should be very terrified right now. That's why I picked the Rodenbach uh, with cherries, because it looks like pig's blood. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to dump it on my head at the end of the episode when you guys crown the champ. And you're going to walk upstairs and I'm going to dump it on my own head. You're going to walk upstairs and Kate's going to be like, um... (laughs) Excuse me? Like... I'll be like, I'm the prom queen. <laughs> I'm the prettiest girl at school. <laughs> I'm the prettiest girl at school. Um, all right. All right. All right. So let, let's remind the listeners, uh, if you're new to the show, this is what we do. We each talk about our movie. Like I said, we decide on the topic. We have a whole big old running list of potential topics that are we've come up with that are suggested to us by our social media friends and listeners. And then once a month, we have a little spinny wheel that we spin, and it gives us three um, suggestions from that bank of potential topics. And then uh, we put it up on the social medias, and everyone votes on what uh, which one we're going to do. And then we each pick a movie that pertains uh, to that particular topic, and then we each discuss it. We talk about why it's the best one of the lot. And then at the end, we all vote on who deserves to win. If we all pick our own movies, which has been the case every single time on every single mm-hmm. episode, we go back to the uh, the second the second votes. Um, we have not had any ties or anything like that yet, uh, which is frankly, I think, a stroke of luck that we haven't had any controversy around that yet. Not to say we haven't had controversy issues, but we have uh, have not had a full on uh, um, you know tie type situation, uh, Mexican standoff, if you will. So uh, we'll see if that happens here this <laughs> this evening. But um, uh, yeah, so I won uh, the showdown in the great month of December, uh, and. What did we do again? Because it wasn't really anything I did. What was it again? Oh, it Secret was, Santa. Yeah. Or Secret Satan. Yeah, we oh, did Secret yeah. Satan. Uh, with Hellraiser with the, films. <laughs> with the shittiest Hellraiser films. Um, <laughs> so I really don't have much to brag about. I just had the least shitty Hellraiser film. Right. That's, that's exactly I was what nice. I was nice to Brian and gave yeah. him a not terrible Hellraiser film <laughs> while he I, gave Meg... 
possibly the worst second worst Don't say the worst you know that's the not second true. worst also in my defense i had never seen it when i gave it to her so i know well that's just even la- it's just lazy and evil <laughs> at that point just listen stupid lazy have, and evil is no way Steve to go fight through my life, battles so. over here now yeah fuck you brian Meg's just over there just 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 sipping her blue light just you know sometimes the under underdog you know i'm just playing the underdog card here sometimes the underdog does underdog things. <laughs> I was waiting for you to finish that sentence. Sometimes the underdog doesn't going. come out on top. <laughs> Sometimes the underdog... I know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I'm going to start doing something. Sometimes the underdog... <laughs> When in Rome. Rome. Um, um, All right. All right, Meg. Let's get this fucking show on the road. Let's talk about. uh, Or no, no, I'm sorry. Steve, Steve, Steve. Yeah, no, you already said. I know. Sorry. Let's talk about. uh, Let's talk about Scream 2. Yes. So, as I said, Scream 2 came out in 1997. Obviously, the direct sequel to Scream 1 from 1996, which is kind of a surprising turnaround that they put out a sequel that quickly yeah i mean for, it obviously was like a phenom of a mm-hmm. of a movie the yeah, original yeah. scream yeah yeah the original scream was a phenom and like you know obviously they want to fast track it so scream 2 starring rebecca gayhart uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> that, that we would know from <laughs> previous uh halloween is forever uh fair of santa's sleigh mm-hmm. so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, no, that's really one of the biggest standouts of Scream 2, though, it, despite the uh, aside from the fact that it was directed by Wes Craven again, is that this is probably one of the most stacked casts that you can go back to mm-hmm. and just like look at everybody who shows up, whether it's a cameo or a small bit part. Everybody who's in this film is like a household name nowadays. Yeah, because you have all the original cast of Nedif Campbell, D- uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and uh, Jamie Kennedy to a degree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like we all wanted Jamie Kennedy back. But it does. Uh, you know, it's you know it is a stacked cast when you just read all those people and you didn't even mention Timothy Oliphant. Well, no, th- those are those. That's who returned. Then you have the new ones of Timothy right, right. Oliphant, Jerry O'Connell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. And then in the background, you have Rebecca Gayhart and Portia Wait, de Rossi. Sarah, Jess- Sarah Jessica Parker? No, oops. Is it? No, Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller. Wait, yeah. when is one of those Sarah three Michelle- named ladies? Right. Sarah Michelle Geller. Where was yeah. she? Why am I? Why am I? She oh, is... oh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah she's Buffy. I was, for yeah. some reason, when you said Sarah Michelle Geller, I thought um, uh, Hewitt. What's her name? Uh, uh, oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. When the you other said 90s that, I three named Love Hewitt. <laughs> Yeah, 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 wrong yeah. movie for sure. Yeah. Right, <laughs> wrong slasher franchise. <laughs> yeah, in the same era though. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, you have three great cameos in this film as well. In that there's a meta going on in the film of the stab film that is mm-hmm. based off the original Scream murders, and you have Heather Graham, mm-hmm. uh, Tori Spelling, and Luke Wilson showing up <laughs> in cameo parts. Luke Wilson's hair is wild he looks like an anime it's amazing. character yeah <laughs> yeah he looks like he's in kingdom hearts with yeah, the way right. it comes down that's in front exactly. of his eyes he looks like the kid from kingdom Hearts, but black hair instead of yeah. black hair that's a, yeah. yeah he's a, he's a bad guy in kingdom hearts it's amazing <laughs> so we'll start we'll start just i want to touch on a couple scenes in this film but the the most uh fantastic opening 
that this film has. And again, two more stars in Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. And we we start with them going to actually watch the stab film. And when they arrive, like they're the, the film opens basically the same way Scream does. So you have Heather Graham taking on the Drew Barrymore role. Mm-hmm. And then they're watching the first scene of Scream play out, essentially. But they're in this you know, huge theater that's full of people covered. Like they're all wearing Scream masks and they have the knives out. Yeah, they handed them out at the door. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. I would it's actually... funny to go, you bought this ticket. Here's a $30 costume. We'd like right. to lose money on this very popular movie. I'm just, I, I like, I feel like it's just such an obnoxious scene in a way where I'm like, man, I really wish like when I would go to the theater at that time, that that would be that wild and crazy mm-hmm. and exciting. It was a fucking rave. Like it was just yeah. out of control. They were probably giving them Molly in the mask. Molly was like in the mask too. Yeah, you know? or meth. Like they were just losing their fucking minds. Yeah, there were definitely some kids just completely like losing it, like screaming at the top yeah. of their lungs. Yeah, and like running up and down the like everybody's running through the theater, Assaulting chasing each women. other. Yeah, chasing yeah, it's women. Basically, like a, a like. <laughs> It's like a disaster movie that's all right. contained just within this one fucking theater in a multiplex. Mm. I've never it's had. Like, it's a wild fucking west out here. I mean, do whatever you want. People are getting murdered. People right. are like fucking in the aisles. Like it's just like society has broken down, but just in this one theater. We we all were alive in the nineties. I don't remember experiencing it was the theater never like, that. like that ever. Yeah, we but. just listened to Sugar Ray on the radio. <laughs> That's literally the only thing that happened in ninety seven. Well, you can listen to it in the soundtrack of this film yeah. too. Speaking but. of the soundtrack, um, they have uh, they play uh, uh, Red Right Hand by uh, mm-hmm. Nicky mm-hmm. and the Bad Seeds like a mm-hmm. hundred times. Yeah. Coincidentally, I am currently watching Peaky Blinders, Yay. Um, oh, okay. which has that in mm. every episode. And it's the opening theme. So mm. I was like deja vu for a second. I was like, ah, okay, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> Why yeah I don't do think I when I originally watched it, I knew that song. But then, you know, when I did go watch Peaky Blinders and watch it this time, I was like, shit. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and they do a bunch of takes on it stuff. Anyway, we're not talking about Peaky Blinders. But, um, yeah. Not talking about Peaky Blinders. No, it's talking about the Peaky <laughs> Blinders. <laughs> not Peaky Blinders. It's saying the Peaky Blinders cast. <laughs> when I say Peaky Blinders, I just think of uh, uh, the one psycho brother that just murders everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peaky you, Blinders. Next time you go get your haircut, you're going to get one of those like slicked back Peaky Blinders haircut because that's <laughs> yeah. what happened to everyone when they yeah, saw Yeah, for a second, show. everyone had that had mm-hmm. that haircut. Yeah. Unfortunately, my hair's all curly, so it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't work. Wouldn't Doesn't work. go. No, I look like a fucking eraser head. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, back to the scene. Uh, we're following basically like Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett are on a date, and she is obviously like uncomfortable with the film. Like she's mm-hmm. uncomfortable with horror films, and I think she plays it off pretty well without announcing it too many times. But like you know, she's like yelling at the screen, but not because she like is into the film, but because it's like a whistling in a graveyard type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it helps her expel her anxiety yeah. to be like. I also feel like just it was up the mildly phone. a stereotype, though. For a little bit, one. and I was kind of like, eh. yeah. like seeing it now, I was like, mm, that's kind of a mm, don't really like. Yeah, that, she but she is definitely playing like the very stereotypical like angry 
black woman type of thing. Like they're definitely leaning into that stereotype mm-hmm. a little hard. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't take it as like, she was, uh, I don't know. She like, she's angry at her boyfriend for dragging her to the mm-hmm. movie. But I just, I took her like yelling at the screen as like, just as a way to like get out her anxiety. Yeah. Just because it mean, like, I it like makes you... what you're saying, but it's not 20. Did, I, this didn't I come like out how you're trying to rationalize it, but this <laughs> is not what happened in the movie. I'm not rationalizing it. That's the way it plays. <laughs> well, this is the thing Stop too. Trying she's to... doing the whole like, like when he goes, I'm going to, uh, she's like, I want to go get some popcorn. He's like, all right. She's like, give me some money. He's like, you have money. And she's like, that's my money. I want your money. Like, she's just like being a shit to him. Well, yeah. so, it's a little, I don't know. Though. I just, I felt like it was I'm gonna a pull slightly that on uncomfortable stereotype. But also <laughs> that, I mean, to be fair, that's an event that he drag he drug her to. He did. Yeah, know? he did. So and he's like fucking pay, with her. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So he has to pay for that event. Yeah. So no, that's fair enough. But yeah, yeah. She, she goes out to get popcorn because, you know, she's afraid it starts getting scary. So she leaves to miss the scary part mm-hmm. and goes get some snacks. Yeah. And then she's in the lobby. People are fucking around carrying on. And then she goes to go back into the theater and somehow Omar Epps knows that, you know, he got a mask and jumps mm-hmm. out and scares her. It's a nice yeah. little jump scare. But the thing mm-hmm. is, like, not only did he do that, but the mask and was everyone doing that with the mask. Mm-hmm. There were ushers that had the costumes on lines that they were pulling and like mm-hmm. running them across the top of the, the yeah. audience this was like, like, this like was it a was thing. a fucking Universal Studios. Yeah, it was like it, it was out of control. Yeah, like you went to see a Vincent Price movie in the 60s. Yeah, like, yeah. And they here's like, the tingler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they had little things that sprayed water on you and vibrated your seat. Like it was, yeah. it was over the top. Uh, Omar Epps goes into the bathroom and then he is you know, looking to use the urinals and it's occupied by two more ghost faces, which is a funny shot. It was just, yeah, <laughs> they both turn around, and look at him at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It's just funny. Uh, he goes into a stall and then hears a voice and then he leans in thinking that he's hearing it. Who knows what, like a lady or something in the stall next to him and gets stabbed in the ear by a real ghost face mm-hmm. through the stall, door. through the, no, stall, through the door. stall wall. Yeah. Through the stall wall through the partition. Yeah. <laughs> what I Bless love about like what I actually do like about this movie. And I find it hilarious. No understanding the time and place of it all is like how much they lean into things like that, where you're like, no, just don't fuck it. You don't, you don't, you don't now like put your ear up against if you hear a noise. You get the fuck out of there. That's what you or do. Or you just sit silently and listen. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, you're not putting your, you're not trying to but, listen for a train coming. You yeah, know what I mean? But like things like that, I think happen throughout this movie all the time. You're just like, why are you dumb? Yeah. But to like the, the fun thing about this is like, it's not within the killer's MO to do things that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's always been, you get a phone call and then you get harassed by the killer. This is, you know, he lured him in with something else and stabbed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I like this scene. I remember when I saw this movie, when it first came out, I like this scene. The one thing in retrospect, I am like, is his knife a lightsaber? Like, that's <laughs> what I want to know. How could a hunting knife go through like an inch of fiberglass, like wall or something, I, whatever it's made of. Um, and then he pulls it out. Oh, fiber, like, fiberglass probably actually would be easy to go through, but if well, it was like wood, whatever Guys, the hell, whatever the hell that's we're going to do a of. test. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. We're not we're not stabbing things in the bathrooms because most of us know that it's metal walls in the Walmart. <laughs> that's true. They're at the Kmart and they're all dinged up. Look like somebody yeah. went to went to town on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. They got tired of people stabbing through them. That's why they're that way now. <laughs> it's all influenced by Scream 2. Right. Yeah. It's all influenced by Scream 2. Through the, through the wall stabbings in you know movie theater bathrooms and okay, Kmart so bathrooms on the we country. Just, we just got to test this. and then yeah. Yeah. Definitely and has watch it. everything to do with Scream 2 and nothing to do with glory holes. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm going to have nightmares about a knife going through the glory hole. Are you around glory holes a lot? Well, just like, you know, <laughs> at work and backtracking home and at, you know, Giant Eagle. And <laughs> I think they're called Yinzer holes there. <laughs> Put your Yinzer through it. Yinzer totally okay. <laughs> We're definitely bastardizing Yinzer now. Yeah, yeah. It's a Yinzer okay hole. <laughs> Just peek your, peek your little eye through there again. Hey, is that right in there? Is that okay? <laughs> so, yeah, Omar Epps is killed. And then apparently the, you know, the, the ghost face dresses up at, in his leather jacket and everything, goes back and sits down next to Jada, Pink, Jada Pinkett in the theater. And there's a little, you know, ruse there and he stabs her and kills her. And then she is, he stabs and kills her as Heather Graham is being killed on screen as well. So right. yeah, it's a, it's a fun little kind of back and forth. Uh, she is the, everybody's in the aisles at this port and people are just losing their shit, like yeah. carrying on screaming. They have like, air got poisoning or something. Yeah. Like the whole place, <laughs> it's just mass hysteria. Yeah. It's completely insane at this part, like yeah. far beyond any Rocky horror or, or room yeah. showing. It's basically that, that scene in gremlins where they cut to all the gremlins going wild, it in the theater, but it's people Yeah, <laughs> just acting like gremlins. Yeah. Uh, and then and Jada Pinkett dies up on the stage of the theater, you know, in front of everyone. And you know, there's a, that, that real like blending moment of, you know, is, is this real or is this, you know, somebody else playing a bigger prank than we are? Yeah. Yeah. On I mean, a scale great. of one to 10, how do you rate that death performance? The final <laughs> seconds before she expires. How would you guys rate that? You know... <laughs> It was so. What kind of scale? It was. Definitely... She's like. It was literally like how Bugs Bunny dies. Yeah. It was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just so cartoonish. I and forgot I think, how cartoonish it was. And I think that's why the audience was confused as to whether or not they should call nine one one. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. She died in a dramatic way to fool the audience. She was. She was in on it. I mean, yeah. obviously, I she mean, was in on it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to retcon this whole thing, but no, no, not at all. Uh, but after this, this is where we get into the school aspect because now we're, you know, playing the eels, which is a very nineties band. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have, uh, your lucky day in hell playing as we reveal that Sydney Prescott has gone on to college and, uh, yeah, she's, she's woken up by her roommate and they have a little back and forth about fucking the doing the sorority stuff and you know we're in college it's all college things going on mm. so nev campbell's a great final girl she mm. really is great yeah. my favorite thing about her is she feels like she could kick your ass right mm -hmm. like sometimes like final girls are like are, are like they don't feel really you know particularly you know obviously like you think about like Laurie Strode, you know, J Jamie Curtis, she kind of outsmarts uh, Michael in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. And then I feel like the, the kind of final girl character ended up at some point. It was just like, 
oh, just make them, you know, it's just make them good looking. You know what I mean? Make right. them attractive. But Nev Campbell feels like she could like fight. Right. I feel like that's what makes her so, so good in this role is like, feels like she could defend herself really well. I almost feel like if you think back during that era, though, I feel like a lot of even final girls or like people who had like really key roles, like all kind of had a similar look, though, it was just like this dark hair, dark eyes. Like I was even thinking about it, I was like, you know, I remember the show Charmed even like the witches, yeah, yeah. like they all <laughs> yeah. had that look. Very and brooding then, kind yeah. of, yeah. you know, squinty eyed stare. Yeah, that was a yeah, very 90s kind of thing. Of that thing. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that works best with Nev Campbell is like she completely turns essentially. I mean, the whole franchise is about making twists on the slasher mm -hmm. genre. But like she's in a way like the killers of slasher films in that she gets more powerful as the films, you know, progress. Because mm -hmm. the first Scream film, she's, you know, she's just a high school student who hasn't experienced this but now in this film she's a college student and she actually has experience with it and mm -hmm. like that's one of the first things you see is like she gets a call from somebody pretending to be the killer and she completely brushes it off mm. and, yeah. then, and then lets them know it's like oh this this is a felony and i'll prosecute you yeah she's got like a whole thing and she's done this like a hundred times right. to a hundred different people who have prank called her yeah so she she seems relatively unfazed and then you see in the end of the film that she's completely has no remorse for dispatching somebody trying to kill her right <laughs> right yeah so yeah she can fight she she has you know not that she has no fear because she does still try to you know protect her life and others but yeah she is very she gets stronger as the films go on because she's you know she, she's more than a final girl she's i don't know it, it, it's a, it's a its own twist on the genre yeah she's a fully kind of fleshed out hero character like i would put her more in a like she yeah in the first movie i would say she's more of like a final girl but in the subsequent rest of the franchise she feels more like a um like an ash you know, from the Evil Dead mm -hmm. franchise or yeah. something like that, where she's just more of like a, uh, just like the hero protagonist kind of thing, right. rather than the rather than the person who's like kind of put upon. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's definitely a target, but she's also not a victim per se. So, right. She, yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um. Then again, we continue on through doing more college stuff, and we are reintroduced to other characters from the previous films like we see cotton weary on the television mm -hmm. and we go to a classroom which is where we get introduced to a lot of the new cast including Til timothy oliphant mm -hmm. <laughs> sexy son of a bitch good god is he good looking i can't deal with it this is young timothy too <laughs> i know young timothy's bright starry-eyed bushy-tailed timothy just, just put him in some tidy ways and slap him on the butt and say, I think I'm going to leave you alone butt. now, Brian. I'm going to leave the room. You can't tell. I'm just looking at a giant picture of <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. It's actually like one of those like, greeting card posters with like, uh, <laughs> like a big buff guy, you know, with like a, uh, like a thong on, but I just like clipped a picture of Timothy Oliphant's face on like a Spencer's poster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie. It's actually a big cardboard cutout that you had custom made. <laughs> Don't lie. It's all beefcake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I love I love this I don't particularly love this scene, but I love it in the fact that you again it quickly introduces new characters in Jerry O'Connell and Timothy Oliphant, Sarah Michelle Geller. And then there's also Joshua Jackson. 
of mm-hmm. of yeah. yeah yeah Dawson's Creek yeah of yeah. Dawson's Creek he's just in it and just the he doesn't scene. really <laughs> never he's just like is he in another scene besides no. that classroom scene no <laughs> it's the funniest That's thing. weird it's so weird that you said I did not realize that he never showed back up I'm sure yeah. he was in other stuff that ended up kind of on the cutting room floor but possibly that's weird he just that's it. That he's only in that one conversation in the cla- yeah. in like the film class. Yeah, he's in the film class. He like he doesn't get killed. He doesn't show up any other time. But he just went on vacation with his folks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, is he and, in any of the other um, any of the other sequels after this? No, no. It, it, it's the weirdest thing, just because he also gets lines, so he's not just yeah. an extra. Right. But you know, yeah, he's you know a big part curious? of that one scene. Yeah. You know what I'm curious though is like for this being a follow-up movie, maybe and they probably had the budget. They probably just went after anyone and everyone they could just to a have the names and keep mm-hmm. even keep people interested and be like, oh, I know that person. Oh, I know that yeah. person. You know, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Yeah, and it, like like Brian said, there might be stuff on the cutting room floor that like would make Joshua Jackson like who knows? Maybe there was even a time where like he's the second killer. Mm-hmm. Just working, working with uh, you know who we find out. I mean, at this point, you should have watched the movie. It's 1997. You're supposed Spoiler to watch alert it for yeah. a 1997 movie. Yeah, that you should have watched <laughs> for this episode. But uh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. maybe he was working with Mickey, so sure. maybe there's that. Could be. But uh, yeah, we get introduced to these characters, and then you get reintroduced to some of the older characters as news of the murder spreads because you have uh, Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, coming back. Dewey, the played by Derry, uh, David Arquette coming back, um, and then you know Gail Weathers brings Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber, with mm-hmm. her to uh, as like a journalistic gotcha moment. Yeah, because she's trying to drum up more, uh, you know, attention for herself, press for the book because she's yeah. got this book right? right, and then he's also trying to like. You know, he's got like a publicist and he's trying to make a buck and, you know, have his 15 minutes of fame. So she's like, you know, dangling that carrot for him a little bit. too, Right. And he's trying yeah. he's trying to get the word out because, I mean, you know, even in nowadays, it's hard to like clear your name after you've been acquitted of a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he spent years in jail because of, you know, he was accused of killing Sydney's mother. So mm-hmm. now he's like out on a press tour to make sure everybody knows that he didn't do it. And he's the good yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, it, it's weird because, um, well, we'll get, we'll get to it later on, but uh, let's just all like take a quick moment and just be thankful for the fact that Jamie Kennedy isn't a thing anymore. I right. just would like, I would just like to express my gratitude to the earth for Jamie Kennedy, not being a thing. He, he is so fucking annoying. I can't, he, I can't he is the most him. insufferable character in this. Yeah. And like, I feel like, so I went to film school mm-hmm. and if I knew some characters like, like him and Mickey, and yeah. they're, they're both like the most insufferable people to have in class. Yeah, yeah. Of like, oh, you didn't get that quote right. Let me let me correct you on your quote. And it's like, come <laughs> on, dude, get this yeah. fucking head out of your ass. <laughs> yeah, he's so insufferable. Even in that scene, he he, it gets worse from there. Mm-hmm. Like when he's trying to do the whole like Dennis Miller bit, <laughs> he's like right. walking up the sidewalk with with uh, uh, Sydney to. He's uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's awful. Yeah, he's completely insufferable. And I think I think it makes sense as to why he's killed in college 
because mm-hmm. like he's not going to achieve anything after college. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> killer just, you're peeking. You're peeking yeah. here, bro. Yeah, you peaked. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about David Arquette and and Courtney Cox's characters for Dewey and Dewey and Gail Weathers? I think in I think this one, yeah, I think they're I think they're good characters and they get a little more. Um, they this film does a good job of management between Nev Campbell's kind of storyline and then mm-hmm. David Arquette and Courtney Cox are like the B-roll in this. Yeah. And I think they do a good time, a good time of management as well as just kind of expanding upon their characters. Like Gail's- David Arquette, David Arquette's a bad actor, right? Am I accurate in saying that? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. bad. Yeah, he's he a, does bad a bad actor. Job. Yeah, I, I don't think he does a bad job though. He's just he's like, so cartoonish though. Right. That was my thing, weather. And well, they feels also like made him that character too, so cartoonish in this one as well. Like I feel like it, we're so distracted by the disability of like you know his hand and his like limp and stuff like that <laughs> that we just like forget yeah. that he's talking. Brian, we're he talking just feels about- like a cartoon amongst a bunch of other characters that aren't necessarily cartoons. Really? You don't think he like Mickey's own. not a cartoon? Jamie well, Kennedy is, of yeah. course, at the end. Right. He, he Jamie Kennedy is a cartoon. But Jamie Kennedy is the comic relief. Like he's the guy. He's Matt. He's trying to pick up some of the slack that like, I mean, he did it in the first movie too. He is, there's no Matthew Lillard in here, which is the worst thing about the movie. Um, and, <laughs> and then he just, I don't know. David Arquette, really bothers me a lot. Do you notice how much he squints every time he talks? Like, he cannot not squint. He's outside. He's outside. He doesn't have sunglasses on. He's genuinely bad. He's bad. He's He's bad, bad but we're talking about Scream 2. We're not talking about Godfather Part 2. I get it. But he's so much worse than everybody else. It's just, it's bad. I don't know. Even Courtney Cox, who I think is a competent performer, Mm -hmm. she um, uh, She's like trying to get her tone to close to as cartoonish as he is, right. yeah, <laughs> just to make it not seem as outlandish. Uh, and then that hurts her performance because they're, she could they're do definitely better. trying to match energies, and it's <laughs> yeah. And I, I, but that's the other thing; they're also sequestered from everybody else for the most part. Because yeah. in this film, it's basically the two of them interacting, as well as with uh, the new character played by Laurie Metcalf, who mm-hmm. is the reporter. With uh, she Mrs. Salt, who's yeah. you know and, she's and oh, yeah she's a local reporter for the you know Windsor Times or whatever that's yeah. you know part of that local campus. Yeah. Uh, and Jackie rules. Yeah, she's great in this film. Yeah, and, uh, she's great in everything. I love her. Well, yeah, <laughs> but y- y- she she plays a good. Um, she she has a real good performance as far as like somebody who's just kind of uh, moving quickly, and then you don't necessarily pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you rewatch the film, just the way she you know handles herself, because again, spoiler, you find out that she's the second killer, and the, you know if you watch just the way she handles herself of like blending in, but then you know taking off quickly to get to somewhere else, you know it's like oh. Yeah if she made like choices that you know it made a yeah. lot of sense <laughs> yeah that was yeah. the one that i that i remember when i watched the first time i was like ah probably shouldn't see that coming but i didn't yeah i was also 12 <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or 13 or whatever it's okay if you didn't figure out the who done it <laughs> you know um especially when i think most of these films have like you know multiple filmed endings because they spend a lot of time you know, casting doubt on a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, obviously one of those people they cast out on is Jerry O'Connell, who is mm-hmm. in this film playing Sydney's boyfriend. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because they, they play a lot with, you know, obviously the first film, Billy Loomis, her boyfriend was the killer. So they play a lot with, you know, is this sequel just the sequel? Are they doing the same thing over again? And it's, mm-hmm. it, it, again, it's on the meta level because even, you know, Randy brings it up when he's having a, mo- a meeting with Dewey and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. He's Jerry O'Connell is not someone I love as an actor. No, he's poop. He's really <laughs> annoying to me too. I really don't like Jerry O'Connell. I was, like I said, I'm staying at my, my parents' house cause there was no heat at my house. And, uh, I was just working from their like kitchen table today yeah. and in the background, my dad had on like the Ellen show, yeah. you know, like Ellen DeGeneres show. Okay. And he was a guest. Oh God. He's fucking difficult. He's difficult. He's mm-hmm. to, to take. He, yeah. He has like energy up to 15 when he does that daytime shit. Yeah. He literally was almost on the level of that time when Tom Cruise like lost his shit on Oprah and stood on the couch. Like, right. He was one second from that. Yeah. He does that. And then like, he like, he doesn't have anything going on. He, that's just how he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His whole career now is just like him being obnoxious on daytime talk shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so I like, yeah, I don't love him as an actor, but I think again, in this role, he is pretty competent. And like he plays the role he's supposed to be playing, which is just mm-hmm. a doofy college boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Who you who you kind of suspect because he's a little bit too clean mm-hmm. cut. He's a little bit too good looking. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit too like. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's a he's a good red herring. Yeah. I yeah. think it was I think it was good. Like after probably really not seeing this film since I was a teenager, um, I definitely was just like, wait. Is is he like it? It was good. Me too. I, think they I do did a good the same job. thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did the same thing because Kate had never seen it, and she was like, "Wait, is he the killer?" She's like, "I'm going to bed. Is he the killer?" And I was like, "I don't think so." Mm-hmm. But I remember one of the dudes was, and I couldn't remember if it was him or Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. But I remember the Aunt Jackie angle. But um, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I actually had forgotten the Aunt Jackie angle, so I was still a little confused. The only one I remembered mm-hmm. was Timothy Oliphant was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you get a couple more interesting scenes. Uh, the one with Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, mm-hmm. is they're basically reenacting the, the first murder at that point mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, her as the stand in for Drew Barrymore, which we'd already seen with Heather Graham, but that was a film. This is actually real life. So it's interesting that way. Uh, I enjoy that while she is being murdered by herself in a sorority house because she's mm-hmm. being sober sister, everybody else mm-hmm. is at another sorority party and Rebecca Gayhart and Portia de Rossi are trying to convince Nev Campbell to join their sorority. And mm-hmm. at some point, Rebecca Gayhart <laughs> comes up and they're talking mm-hmm. about safe sex. And she says, harmonica style blue jobs are still okay. <laughs> Which <laughs> is the side? Is that what we're talking about? I'm thinking that's yeah, she's talking about going down the side. <laughs> what is how is that change? Yeah, that's a good quote. I did I completely missed it. I I completely it's missed it. it's so quick, but it's it's the funniest thing, and I just want our audience, if you plan on giving or receiving, requ- request harmonica style. Bring it back. Like if you're at Purgatory and you have one of those little like menus you get to fill out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Check yeah. boxes. Check harmonica style on the box. <laughs> it's like animal style at in and out Yeah. <laughs> harmonica style. It's on the secret menu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it? Is this the scene? I forget what scene it is. There was a couple scenes in this movie, and I feel like it was in the the. I think I feel like it was in the sorority house when um, Ghostface runs behind, like in the background. There's a couple yeah, scenes yeah, where yeah. he like kind of based on the background, and he it like it's like he's on those little wheelie shoes. Like, a little bit, yeah. Step. <laughs> He's like a cross between that or like he's on like an ice level on Mario where you just like slide back. Just just because like yeah, he's in the background, he's out of focus, and then like because of that the way that smock or dress or tunic or whatever you want to call it, how right. low it comes, you don't see his feet moving per se. So it just kinda of looks like he glides behind and he yeah. goes into a room behind them. But it's also an effective shot because it's like, oh, he's in the house now. So yeah. Yeah. I just for some reason was cracking up because I imagined him with those little wheelie shoes just yeah. <laughs> going past the door. Right? right. I feel like we have a marketing opportunity right now. I just thought yeah. of this because I think it'd be hilarious. If you guys follow um he's like local to Pittsburgh the Mr. Oh, um, Yahili girl. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, no, he, I don't know that. he has such a fun TikTok page, but pretty much he's riding those like Healy fucking shoes he's, everywhere. Yeah. He's riding Healy's with, uh, with short shorts. Crop top. And, yeah, yeah, crop, crop top. top. It's <laughs> nice. fucking great. But I, I want to see him now in the ghost face costume. <laughs> <laughs> but a crop top. Yeah. But a crop top. Put yeah. your request in now so we can get it out for, you know, Scream 5 coming up next week. But, yeah, right. yeah. That was happening when Cece was being killed in the sorority house, that uh, that little ghost slide behind. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. After that, there. this is where it gets a... I, I like the following kill from this, which is where it's David Arquette, Gail, uh, and, du- uh, and um, Randy, they're all outside. And they're uh, just like in the quad and they Mm -hmm. start getting calls in daylight. And I think that was a real interesting scene because it was like a daylight cat and mouse. And then it ends with Randy being killed. Right. Which, I mean, not too many people were broken up about, but I can say if I was stabbed to death while the Cottonmouth Kings were playing in the background, I'd be super fucking upset. (laughs) That'd be really, that would be a bummer. I would would haunt people for that. Yeah, he uh, it's right in the middle of the quads in daylight. So mm-hmm. he just snatches his ass up and yeah. just uh, never knows. Nobody knows this, but the running around checking everyone on their cell phone to see if they're talking, if they are the killer talking mm-hmm. to them is is kind of a funny scene. Yeah, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's funny. They they fuck it up on one because mm-hmm. like the whole thing is you're supposed to be checking who's talking and who they're talking to. But like Gail grabs He's just somebody around phone. going, are you the killer? Yeah, <laughs> like Gail grabs somebody's phone and like starts yelling at somebody on the other end of the phone as if they're supposed to be the yeah. killer. It's like, no, no, that's not what's happening in this one. <laughs> you're the one on the other side of the phone. Yeah, yeah you're supposed to be checking to see if you're talking to Randy, not another person. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they get it. They they get it right. little, yeah. Listen, cell phone technology is pretty new in 97. Right. They didn't really understand how it worked. <laughs> That'd be funny if she just uh, picked up and just started following the cord. Just to right. it was. <laughs> follow that phone cord. So, at, so after Randy's murdered, my favorite thing happens. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's a couple scenes later, but like Randy's dead. Yeah, well, <laughs> Randy's dead. But, but uh, you have a couple more scenes with like uh, you have Sydney in the library, and there's suspicion cast on Cotton Weary again. But after that, they they kind of all have this kind of meet up at the police station, and as they're kind of going on their way, Joel, who is Courtney Cox's new cameraman, who was introduced, he fucking leaves. The movie. He's on. He's <laughs> yeah, underappreciated. He's, like, he's the, the best comic out. relief. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the best comic relief by far. He's the best, and he does the one thing that nobody ever does. He just leaves the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. He says, "There's danger. I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm not cut out for this. Yeah. I'm out." <laughs> yeah. He yeah. He's like, I know. I he because the whole time up to this, he says, "I know what happened to your last cameraman. I'm not into yeah. that." And yeah. now. <laughs> Somebody's been killed in my van, so I'm yeah. not into that. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And he's out. You never he's see him out. again. He's, well, you see him. You see him at the very end. He comes back after oh. after the killers have been killed. But other than that, That's yeah, true. he he <laughs> finds safety and it's the best. This is my favorite thing. He just goes to the mall, gets an orange Julius, just hangs yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, nope. I'm gonna wait for all of you guys to die. <laughs> He and goes, then I'll be back. He goes back to the station. He does some editing. He does not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like in the Wendy's drive through. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you know, from here, the movie plays out um, of just like Sydney has a police detail and the police detail is killed and she runs back to campus. And, you know, the campus is she is I guess she's trying to be an actress at this point in her college career so she's uh, in mm, and yeah. she's she's in an old greek tragedy playing cassandra which is part of the fall of troy uh and it, it's kind of a there's a nod to the fact that uh, i believe it's called the asterios which is it's like a, a trilogy of its own which is kind of a nod because at this point the i think it was only planned to be a trilogy of films and cassandra was like kind of the lead or there are le- there are female leads in each part of the Asterios. So I think, it, it, gotcha. think it's supposed to be kind of a, a nod that way. I feel like that's such a corny thing to do, but I feel like we see it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. I kind of hate when that happens, so, you know. <laughs> Why Let me tell the, you the story. If he was, or I mean, if Sydney was, her, her mother was murdered, mm-hmm. stabbed to death. Right. And then she was chased by a uh, a murderer with a knife. Yeah, two murderers with knives. Yeah, but but one year ago, right? Would you willingly try out for a part in a play where a bunch of people chase you with knives? Ah, <laughs> hey, maybe mm-hmm. it's like a, part of feels the like a little bit of a trigger process. warning. Yeah. But you know, maybe it's part of a therapy. Yeah, maybe. Here's, here's the other thing, Immersive. Brian. Here's the other thing, Brian. She was also yeah, yeah. chased and possibly, you know, a. Well, not possibly attacked. I was going to say possibly killed, but she was attacked by her boyfriend. But she has a boyfriend in this film too, right? So she's you know she's willing to get back in the game. She's willing to try love again. She's willing to you know do plays try acting again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, she's willing I to just... be around knives. <laughs> be around being around humans once again. I think is is a big leap to I'm going to do a specifically a play with knives. <laughs> Not all plays have knives. You could have picked a non-knife play. But, I mean, those are, you know, I mean, jank-ass foam knives. They weren't even real knives. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Um, Feels like a trigger warning Yeah, for her. Also, 
uh, just to jump to, I mentioned she had a security detail. And I don't think that they give the names of those cops, but like mm. it really felt like they should have been named Johnson and Johnson, like in the <laughs> Die Hard films. <laughs> yeah. Just because they're completely ineffectual, but they're super serious, but are killed anyway. <laughs> like, well, they have a little bit of a, of a, of a, at least a back, or at least the one of them. Cause doesn't one of the sorority girls or something say, like, Oh, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's that's so and so. He's married with kids or whatever. You know that guy's whatever. I'm oh yeah, pretty yeah. sure he's gay. And then later he throws a joke out there when somebody says something to him, and he's like, "Don't ask, don't tell," or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that. Yeah. So, but they they like kind of build on them a little bit, but yeah, it's it's they're they're very strange characters yeah the, it's one of the things where you think maybe there was more with them too probably possibly possibly uh, like uh, yeah. in that scene where jerry o'connell's singing to her in the cafeteria oh, and like oh, everybody that scene never happened yeah well everybody's <laughs> into it except yeah. for if you look at the cops they're like stone face just sitting there they're not into it it's it's funny it's funny to see them but like yeah they, they just remind me of the two fbi agents from die hard johnson and johnson who are just like yeah. these super serious but also terribly ineffectual <laughs> yeah that we were when we were watching that scene speaking of the jerry o'connell singing on way out of key on the table <laughs> we were watching it and uh i was saying about how i was i was complaining about how in the episode the episode you hosted of our show when you were like, I think this is better than the first one. And I remember thinking, I think two is really good. It might be better than the first one. And then I'm watching it. And Kate was like, you know what? I kind of remembered this one being better than the first one too. And then we got to that scene with him singing and she was like, Never mind. <laughs> she just gave up on the movie right at that point. It's one bad scene. It's still better no, than the- there's Ooh, so wow. many bad scenes. It's not so in many this bad fucking scenes. movie. It's it, oh, it's dated. It's dated, it but it's great. Dated. It's dated, but yeah. it's great. <laughs> so so the whole film, it, you know, again, Sydney runs after her cops are killed, and then her roommate is killed. She runs back to campus and goes to the playhouse uh, where somebody has turned on the soundtrack to lure her in and she Mm -hmm. can hear it from the outside. She runs in and that's where she's confronted by Jerry O'Connell is tied up and, you know, crucified in a way on a cross. Yeah. Uh, He's covered in, you know, basically just graffiti, you know, Greek graffiti. I'm surprised Mm -hmm. nobody really drew a dick on him, but (laughs) like (laughs) just laying there, just saying they're dead with, no, cause he was there. Yeah. Yeah. He was alive at first. Yeah. He was alive alive cause he, he was, he was at a, his fraternity brothers took him to a party and got him drunk. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he's tied to this cross and then that's when the killer reveals himself and Mm -hmm. Mickey reveals that he's the killer the whole time. Uh, but he also starts putting it in her mind that uh, he is working in partnership with Jerry O'Connell. So she's conflicted about taking him off the cross. I thought that was really effective. Uh, yeah. uh, it was like putting that final bit of you know confusion into you know, everybody. Um, yeah, because you're, you're living it along with Sydney a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty effective. Yeah, because you're not sure. And again, because of the, the way they manage the A and B stories in this film there, you don't see what everybody's doing at every time. So I think it's, it's effective in you throwing out those red herrings. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, actually he wasn't in on it. Mickey shoots him and 
but somebody else was in on it. And that's when they introduce the Billy Loomis's mother uh, side, you know, that that Aunt Jackie was Billy Loomis's mother in a past life. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, again, uh, back to the A and B story management, you only ever see her interact with Gale and Dewey. Right. So she never interacts with uh, Sydney, which would have been she never com- interacts with Sydney. I thought I remember no. her asking Sydney questions. No, nope. I might be wrong. Nope. Um, there okay. is there is an early scene where somebody who looks sort of like her, mm. and it, so it might be if you're not paying that much attention, you might have thought you saw because I think they Could set be. I think they set it up purposely that this one woman early in the film kind of looks like her. Mm-hmm. So you think mm-hmm. you might have saw her in that first scene, but no, she she actually never interact with Sydney, and that's. You know, when Sydney is tipped off because she's the only one who could identify Billy Loomis's mother just by look. Like, gotcha. yeah, but uh, yeah, plays out. Uh, and then, you know, Mickey's killed by Billy Loomis's mother. He had some weird Tarantino esque, you know, I'm going to I'm going to murder all these people and then get off of it and blame the media. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not how it has ever worked <laughs> for no, anybody. No, no. He was like, Tipper Gore's going to be there and shit. Like, yeah. Was saying, oh, he's I'm going to have the, all the, you know, Christians eating out of the palm of my hand and all this stuff. It was like, I kind of like the, the current event angle because that was like, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big hot button topic at that time with the explicit content warnings and all that stuff. Right. So I like, I like the, the current event angle. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's interesting because, I mean, the, this happens even before columbine which which they did try to like place a lot of that on like marilyn manson and kmfdm at that time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like even if those even if those kids had not killed themselves in that that wasn't going to get them off that wasn't going to get them you know an insanity defense or anything though yeah like you still go to jail (laughs) that's right and i like that aunt jackie basically came in and she was the brains and was basically like no, he's a fucking stupid idiot yeah. and just kills him. He's a stupid like, college kinda, kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and she she has a legit motivation in that she just wants revenge. Like mm-hmm. and like I don't think she cares one way or the other if she gets caught or not, but she's going to kill Sydney for putting, you know, for killing her son and, you know, putting her all through that. So Yeah. Uh yeah, uh Cotton Weary shows up to save the day and you know, you think that there's a possibility that he's going to shoot Sydney mm-hmm. and, and try to claim his fame and get some sort of revenge for himself as well. But no, he does the right thing. And it, it, Cotton is such a he's a fun character in that he like he's sort of slimy because mm-hmm. he wants his day in the sun. But also he's been wronged in the past. And like he but is also yeah, just a generally he has decent, motive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he's also like I mean, I was a actually going to make a point to say that I feel like I actually felt like his character throughout this whole thing was so awkward mm-hmm. because of that. Like he just wanted to like clear his name, which I mean, I understand the feeling, but you're just kind of like, bro, <laughs> you, bro. He wants to clear you know, his name, but, down. but also make money. He's like, he's yeah. a, he's a, he's a, he's an yeah. interesting, yeah, he's an interesting. I'm not going to talk without you paying me. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it was just so awkward through yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, because you're like, what? What are you running for office? Like, why do you care that the public, you know, understands all the details? And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, people are gonna know. forget about you. Who cares? And I, I think it's yeah. you know, but I think it play, helps play to the end that of he might shoot Sydney because he's an opportunist. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Sure. So you, know, you you understand him as an opportunist more than but anything. I almost would rule him out and kind of wasn't fully thinking he would have actually done that because of how hard he was trying to clear his name the whole time. Mm-hmm. That instantly. I mean, I guess it could have still gotten him the fame. So, OK, as right. I'm talking through it, I could see that being another angle for him. Like, yeah, I'm going to go back to jail, but I've already been to jail and I'm going to be popular and people are going to like want to talk to me. And, you know, here's this full story that I can sell, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can understand that red herring now where more so I don't really recall. Yeah. Really. And I think I think it's even an alternate ending for Scream 3 that he is the killer. Sure. Oh, so, really? yeah. Yeah, it's an alternate ending. But I've never seen Scream 3. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I I, I just don't I didn't like the ending. I, I liked the 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 kind of script progression of how you get to timothy oliphant and like his like delusional you know kind of uh scapegoat if you would not even scapegoat but kind of alibi-ish whatever ex- mm-hmm. excuse and and how aunt jackie comes in and everything i like that but how like when they base they just like have little like they bring up holes in the plot and then they explain them away in the most lazy way possible and it's just like you couldn't you don't have to bring that up. Like when they're talking about, <laughs> how do you guys know each other? She's like, we met on a wannabe serial killer website, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's literally yeah, what they yeah. say. They're like, we met on a, like a message board for wannabe serial killers. And then they're like, well, why don't you look like, you know, his, the, the mom or whatever. And he's like, she's like, it's called a makeover. You know? <laughs> it's just like, it's really yeah. fucking, I mean, I think it's pretty bad. Yeah. I think, I think that plot hole of like explaining I don't know. I thought that was done somewhat tongue in cheek because Gail brings up the fact she's like, I've seen pictures of you. And I think that's because like maybe they're in Scream 1. There's just like maybe background photos of somebody Mm -hmm. of like of somebody who isn't Laurie Metcalf. And so Mm -hmm. they just decided, let's just throw that away and like, (laughs) like not explain. Not like I got facial reconstructive surgery it's just i got a makeover and lost like six, i got and my lost hair 60 pounds. no and lost 60 pounds <laughs> i know i so, get it but it's just like the, the detail forget the details <laughs> the explanation the delivery of the james bond villain let me explain my entire plot to you mm-hmm. is bad 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 it's bad um, but it's also fun like the whole movie's meant well to be that's fun. the thing is it is but like scream was fucking pretty scary movie like i remember when scream came out i mean i was like i was like 10 or not you know when when did scream come out 95 96, 96. we talked about yeah, 96 yeah. so when i saw it i was i think i was like 10 when it came out mm-hmm. uh and it scared the fuck out of me especially mm-hmm. like the first scene with drew barrymore and everything yeah. and this one is just it's really cartoonish from beginning to end and you expect it to be scarier i guess a little bit like it's fine it doesn't have to match the the tone of the original movie but i feel like there is when you have sydney who her performance is serious as a fucking heart attack right you know what i mean and then you have all this silliness happening going around like the climactic final showdown with like you know timothy oliphant's character and, and aunt jackie and sydney and stuff they're on like the fucking indiana jones like stage show at universal studios like there's fucking like rocks crumbling right. and they're climbing and there's smoke and all this stuff and i'm like well, it's just it feels like that scene in jane silent bob strike back where they wander onto the set of the movie that they're making about them mm-hmm. at the end like that just reminded me so much of that speaking of they are in scream three as well but 
Are they really? Yeah, yeah. Jane Silent Bomber? Yeah. That's so, funny. I didn't know. So that. my my one thing, and it's part of the reason why I picked this movie, is because we're also like we're on the tail end. I don't know if either of you saw the Matrix Resurrections. Not yet, no. Okay, so that film, like, threw a lot of time and like care into like the meta of like the matrix like they bring up the matrix as like a mm-hmm. video game and mm. yeah so like there's a whole lot of meta built into that film and it's almost used as script armor in a way mm-hmm. of like yeah all these silly things are going to happen and we're going to go in a different direction and it's going to be totally different from the last three films because the you know the sequels to the matrix were fucking obtuse and like hard for people to understand and it's just like we're just gonna make like a fun romantic action film with this one mm. and we're gonna make fun of ourselves and gotcha. like scream the first film it has that kind of uh you know we're, we're gonna play with the genre a little bit but it still was mostly serious yeah and yeah this one is making the conceit that okay we're gonna make a sequel but we know sequels are suck because they say it in the film. Yeah. yeah. Randy says it. He says sequels suck. They're very, yeah, fourth wall breaking yeah. kind of yeah. things. Yeah. And like then, that. like, there's another there's another throwaway thing. But, like, in Scream 1, they say they're, they're talking about, like, a movie being made of the events. And Nev Campbell's like, oh, they'll probably cast Tori Spelling or something. And they do exactly <laughs> that in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're, like, obviously, Wes Craven is very aware of the film he's making. And he, like, he puts mm-hmm. in a lot of this script armor of meta. Of, yeah. like, you know, you're talking Indiana stunt show at the end. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like you expect a bigger thing for the end of a sequel. So I know, he, so he I meets know. you half he meets you halfway of like yeah we're gonna have a stupid silly stage show and there's rocks crumbling and then uh, and then the whole thing of like of oh shouldn't Mickey be dead and that's what distracts her and he's like but then but then he does come it. back yeah like yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. well he does that in the first one too because Billy right. Loomis does the like jump scare at the end yeah. thing yeah yeah Billy Loomis does the jump scare at the end and so they set it up like they think oh Mickey's gonna do the jump scare. And then mm-hmm. that's what distracts Aunt Jackie for a second to give, you know, Sydney the upper hand. And then mm-hmm. fucking, you know, Mickey does come back and they kill him. And then they fi- finish it off with just shooting Aunt Jackie directly in the head. <laughs> like, this isn't, mm-hmm. we're not having any of that. <laughs> the, uh, the scene where Cotton shoots Aunt Jackie mm-hmm. and they both like go flying for it and you don't know who he shot. Mm-hmm. Why does Sydney lay there like she's dead for a second and then pop up? She banged her head. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. This is, it's like it's just she uh, the, banged the, her fucking head. She banged her head. It just it just was like oh, the ending was when you say meet halfway, it was way past halfway. Like it was ninety percent to just fucking gloony tunes, um, which I don't mind. I, it just like it felt tonally. It was a lot sillier than I remember. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, right. I, I've watched, like, in preparation for this, I watched one through three. And also mm-hmm. just in preparation for the new movie coming out. Because I, yeah. I do generally generally kind of like this franchise. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, one's way serious. This one is probably the campier of the three. But I still think it's just better because Scream 3 just, like, I don't know, a lot. Of, it falls short in a lot of ways. Yeah, isn't uh, but uh, you have to you you, one's better, 
I mean, one's way better than two, right? I don't know. I, that's the thing. I don't know that it is. I don't, because again, they're they're so tonally different. Like one, they are. one, one would be fantastic if nothing else after it existed. But like it, this film, I don't know. I just like the way it plays with film theory and film meta a lot mm-hmm. more. One doesn't that much. The most you get is Wes Craven as you know the janitor, like as as like <laughs> yeah. as a as a nod. But it doesn't really you know aside from just humanizing the killers, it doesn't really play too much with slashers. It doesn't change it that that much. What mm-hmm. if you rewatch Scream One, you'll get very very annoyed with the number of film references they make. Mm-hmm. And it's just in dialogue. It's not like, you know, in shots or anything. It's just an annoying amount of Randy making references to films. Yeah, it's, than... like self, it's like self-aware in the world that slashers exist mm-hmm. in, whereas two is self-aware of itself in the way that it is part of slasher lore. The first movie is part right. of slasher mm-hmm. lore. But yeah, I just, boy, yeah. I just. Yeah, Watching I, this I, does I, make me want to go back and watch one now. I yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. One and two are worth it. Three is, eh, and then four is meh. <laughs> <laughs> eh, I, meh. Yeah. I got a newer um, like face mask wear on public, and it has ghost face on it all over it. And nice. I can't tell you how many people <laughs> have been trying to talk to me about the show, and I'm like, <laughs> I have not watched it yet. And I have not watched the show so either. I'm like, that's the other yeah. thing. There's a show, and it's like I've never seen any of it, and it's like, how mm-hmm. how could that yeah. be? Like yeah. I feel it's just more of a nostalgic thing because that was, I feel like, so relevant to like our, you know, younger years, mm-hmm. you know, like preteen type. Right. Know, one of the first ones, because I like when you like you said, Brian, it was like that was genuinely fucking scary at that time. You know. Oh yeah. Freaked me I, the I, fuck I remember out. that er, that that er, that first scene just fucking. I remember the night I watched. It. I feel like I've told this story, but the night I watched it, it was like me and like three of my friends. We were all, you know. 10 11 years old we watched in his basement in the dark and then we walked up into the woods and like camped out in his like tree house jesus Christ. and i was walking up through the yard scared shitless in the pitch black yeah. and like it was like summer and all of a sudden his dog he had this beagle came running up through the yard and i nobody heard it coming and it just ran into the back of my legs at full speed and like oh my took God. my legs out from under me and it scared the shit out of me. That's really funny. Though I am yeah, yeah. very surprised for it being yeah. a beagle and not being like yeah. yeah, it like, was I forget. I just remember it was a little scary, stubby little dog, but yeah. it just ran at full speed and took my legs out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I like shit my literally shit myself, I think. Um all right. Any any final thoughts on on Scream Two? Yes, the yeah. prompt is back to school, and this is Scream Two, and it went back to school. The first one was at high school. <laughs> this goes back to school. I win. <laughs> That's hey, way too hey, literal. Hey. That was not what we established there, bud. Steve wins technically <laughs> and literally, and in all ways, Steve wins. <laughs> He's just saying that because he knows mine's better. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Scream Brian. I'm not going two. to uh, defend yours either at all. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of my movie, you sons of bitches, film number two, which is, of course, mine. Um, Night of the Creeps, 1986. So uh, 
I love this movie. I genuinely love it. I have a very strong feeling you guys do not love it as much as I do. And I'm okay with that. It's I didn't got, hate it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I yeah. just, uh, I was like, this is a really great movie for a zombie, like a take on a zombie film. Yeah. I'm going right for the jugular right now. But oh, you mean it's not a, it's not school enough no, for I you? Mean, yeah, no, I mean, it definitely <laughs> obviously had school related. They're all in high school. That's cool. Well, they're but in I was college. like, yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> but like, see, <laughs> Glad I, you paid there so wasn't, much there wasn't enough school that I even was like, even cared. But uh, the movie, no, no, but I thought it was, starts it was fun. out in a fraternity it's party. It's fun. It's, Brian, it's a fun movie. It was enough what school is, for me. It was enough school for me. Yeah. It was if enough- it's enough school for Steve, <laughs> who's the ultimate stickler on topics, yes. I will not have you saying there's not enough school. <laughs> I, I know, but my takeaway too is I walked in, I was like, you know, this is, a, I would, I would genuinely would watch this movie again. Genuinely. Yeah. I have, I've watched this movie a long, a lot of times. It is, it is a just fun, silly, uh, kind of creature feature ish, uh, you know, eighties flick. And it's got the most concentrated number of just over the top one liners coming out of the mouth of Mr. One, Mr. Tom Atkins. You just can't like, there's no, there's no movie that has more quotable lines, I think, than, than, than this one. So, um, it stars, like I said, it stars Tom Atkins as uh, Detective uh, Ray uh, Cameron, um, Jill Withrow as Cynthia. She is in a just a bunch of like mid eighties, you know, uh, ho- you know, horror movies. She's in obviously, uh, uh, night of the creeps is the first thing she, that's kind of the thing she's most, I would say known for, but she's also in twice dead. She's in, what was the other thing that was, Oh, she's in weird science. Um, she's in Porky's she's in, uh, Oh boy. There was another like significant one that she was in. In any case, like you'll recognize her face most likely from a lot of like mid eighties type of movies. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll kind of get, we'll, we'll kind of jump into as we introduce characters, as we kind of go through the plot a little bit, but I won't, I won't drain it and go into incredible detail because it's, it's just a really silly, fun, mid eighties, you know, quirky horror movie kind of thing. Um, so it starts out in the, the strangest, like unnecessary scene ever in a, um, in a spaceship with, and it's all like practical effects. Obviously, and it's this, it's a lot of little people, actors in alien costumes. And you kind of get this scene where something is escaping from their ship and they're like, we got to stop it from escaping or whatever. And they've got these little guns and they're running around just being silly. And eventually something, you know, something escapes from the ship. You don't know what it is, but obviously they're very concerned about it. Um, but I just feel like that, like it's not a particularly great scene or anything, but it's just one of those things where you're like, you guys didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? You didn't have to get a bunch of little people in alien costumes, <laughs> but it's just such a fun little touch. They didn't have to. And uh, it's weird. I'm going to say it's th- this first 15, 20 minutes of the film mm-hmm. of yeah, like yeah. of this scene. And then the subsequent 1950s flashback. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best part of the movie but it also kind of hurts the rest of the movie because this is so good up front. I wouldn't say it's the best part of the movie, but yes, it is a very different feel and it sets up your expectations in a weird way because mm -hmm. the rest of the movie is not this. Yeah. Um, So, so you're hundred percent right. You get this like kind of effects heavy, uh, you know, 
costumed aliens, you know, kind of rubber mask aliens in the first just couple of minutes. And then, yes, you go into this kind of flashback scene. But anyway, I'll, I'll get in and kind of explain a little bit more what I'm talking about. So um, you don't really get much explanation of what's happening with the aliens, but you, you do figure out that their quote unquote experiment has, you know, gets out of the ship and ends up kind of plummeting to earth. And then you fast, you know, just kind of jump cut to sorority row 1959. And there's this super square dude throwing pebbles at the window of the sorority house, you know, and he's taken this super square girl out. Uh, and, the one thing I love about this scene, it's such a stu stupid little part. The guy who plays, um, the, the guy who's throwing the, the stone at the window, uh, Johnny, I, I believe his name is, um, it's like it's the first time he ever threw anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, it's like, like he stood there for a while going, how do I throw? How do I throw? <laughs> before he before he throws it it's just the yeah. strangest like uh most unnatural thing of all but time it, it's great though and i think it also just again this is all camp and silliness i don't know if you i don't know if you notice it in the film but there are there's multiple references to plan nine from outer space yeah in yeah. the film and so i feel like because this is occurring in 1959 and they literally reference it like this is mm -hmm. meant to be a campy ed wood film that we're watching in this beginning so uh, yeah mm -hmm. it makes sense yeah. this dude doesn't know how to throw because people don't know how to act <laughs> yeah it is a very it's kind of got that kind of film noir type of it is not an a classic 80s you know slasher type movie or a, mm -mm. a night of the comets type of film it is almost like a weird um like i don't say use the overused the word meta but it's almost like this meta kind of almost period piece type of thing mm -hmm. because tom atkins plays this very like tragic depressed like film noir detective yeah. almost in 1986 um but then you also get this touch of the two kind of main like younger protagonists who are in this very much like you know 80s college flick right. type of thing like 70s 80s college flick but anyway so so they jump to this this uh the the two couple as couples and this cop kind of comes over and, and like interrupts their uh their canoodling on you know lover's lane in the car and he says there's this loony on the loose and then this meteor crashes um and it's like I, I, and I had just got done watching the night before Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the hundredth time. <laughs> and I was like, every good movie starts with something falling out of space and then somebody going to like figure out what it the is. The blob. Um, the so, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killer Clowns. Killer Clowns. Um, so Johnny um, is, like I said, is, which you've guessed right now, where we talked about is his name. He heads into the woods with a flashlight to search for this meteor. And, and his you know, lady friend is uh, left there in the car on the side of the road. And again, you get this very tongue in cheek thing where she hears um, the news bulletin about this, this escaped psychopath. And the things that she's saying, uh, she they're saying on the radio, on the bulletin, she's seeing in real life. They're like, uh, you know, on, along I-95 and she looks up and there's a sign for I-95 just outside of whatever town and then the the thing says like three miles to whatever town. Like, Which, it's just it's, 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 uh, it's hilariously stupid though because she goes to that college. She knows where she is. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think so, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. It's very, like I said, it's very uh, kind of self aware. I think in that in that way. But you know, she she starts to get really scared, and uh, I I like the. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, because I think it's like a, I think it's like ADR, but um, she goes, he's out in the woods searching and she's getting really scared in the car. And she keeps going, Johnny, Johnny, where are you? And at one point she goes, Johnny, come back to the car. I'm getting cold. I'll even let you fun of my breath. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I, when I heard that, I was like, this is not real life. This it's is just such, not. It's such a funny, silly thing. Just, just another quick part point about that ADR is when they first come to investigate the scene, the mm-hmm. car is pulling up, and they're doing obvious ADR lines, but you can see very clearly neither of them are moving their mouths. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So it's, it's like, <laughs> like everything in this opening is so purposeful and fantastic, and I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's super over the top. Um. And then Johnny finds this kind of canister in the woods and then explodes in this kind of unknown little like item that you don't can't really tell in this moment what it is, Um, you know, you know, kind of shoots into his, you know, already open mouth. Um, And then simultaneously, while this happened, his girlfriend is being, uh, you know, hacked to death by this axe murderer uh, who, who just kind of wanders off the side of the road and sneaks up behind her and and, you know, chops her while she's sitting in the car in the in the convertible. So then this cuts right to and oh, you do get this little take of like this this cop comes up, interrupts them and is like, you know, it's dangerous out here. You should get going. And that you could tell that they know each other like mm-hmm. the girl and the cop know each other and the the boy and johnny even says something about it and he she kind of suggests that like they dated or something right um so and then again you jump cut right to rush week 1986 and there's a couple of uh you know just bitching guys cruising for major league babes it's chris and jc um and Chris is Russ from National Lampoon National Lampoon's European Vacation, mm-hmm. um, who's fucking great. I mean, he he kind of makes this movie, I think, in a lot of ways. But really, um, yeah, I think he's so <laughs> he's just is so um, sympathetic. I don't know why he's huh. just this dorky like he's just so painfully dorky and i think that's why i like him is because of european vacation because he's such an awkward dorky guy but he always has like a weird amount of confidence in certain situations like in 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 european vacation he does as well and i don't know why i just i just like like uh that that actor i don't remember what his name is but um I'm assuming you disagree with this. But, yes. Um, <laughs> anything I just like anything that isn't that first 15 minutes, and <laughs> anything that isn't Tom Atkins feels like a bored flatline to me. <laughs> Come on, it's, it really it's, does. It's, I'm it's sorry. Not good. I'm not saying it's good. I just, it's, I, it's just enjoyable. Yeah. I don't know. Just something about just something about the three characters you mentioned and Cynthia. They, yeah, all are flat for me. I, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, Cynthia's pretty bad, but JC's not. He's very he's got a ton of like personality. He's, yeah, and, he's not he has a ton of personality and he has like a terribly heart-wrenching thing at the end and but like Yeah, yeah. like everything involving like just the college kids 
Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if the first three up front, then all of their friends around them, they're all so flat as hell, too. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but it doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah, it's weird. They're definitely not over the top. Um, but yeah, the, it's I, I don't know. It's it's kind of that like, yeah, mid 80s, late 80s, like everyone's a little too cool for school mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, but uh yeah so so chris has kind of hit with cupid's arrow when they walk into this fraternity party and and follows this this girl into this into the fraternity party that he's like oh my gosh who's that i'm like you know in love with her or whatever and um you get so many good quality product placements in this movie too (laughs) like there's so many there's like a couple good pepsi ones there's there's a few um you you uh meg you started the episode talking about brian's beefcake cutout there's a there's a beer lady cut out in the, in the back <laughs> yeah. of one of the uh the frat house Absolutely. scenes yeah yeah there's a, there is there there's a lot of product placement in this movie um and you get to know who this person is so you quickly realize like everyone in this movie their names are references to horror directors <laughs> like cynthia is cynthia cronenberg which we find out now and then there's several that we that we get to here in a minute but um they decide that they want to rush so he doesn't want to talk to her um uh, uh chris doesn't want to talk i'm sorry yeah chris doesn't want to talk to her jc which is his friend and they're like freshmen you know roommates and it seems that they were i think they were friends before that they seem to be like friends you know best friends from high school kind of thing jc has um uh they're not crutches. What are they? Like kind of brace crutches. Yeah, they're brace. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, braces that he that he helped that helps him to walk. So he's got some sort of of disability in that way. They never specify what it is, but he needs these these braces, these kind of crutch brace things to to walk. And he is much more confident. He's much more kind of like, hey, who gives a shit? Like I'll go, you know, talk to this person. Whereas mm. you know, Chris is is like terrified to talk to her. So they decide they want to rush the fraternity, which are the betas, uh, so they can meet Cynthia because she seems to be involved with them in some capacity. So. Um, she is coincidentally dating the main frat douche. And he's just like the stereotypical frat douche. He's got like the feathered blonde, like spiky hair and stuff. Kind of like talking about what we talked about where there was like stereotypical, like, you know, dark haired females for like, I feel like in the eighties it was bright blonde hair was like this signifier for evil yeah he was an absolute <laughs> douchebag like he looks like he's in hitler youth you know yeah. he's got yeah. that yeah he's got that look look uh look on him for sure um so they task them with this thing they're going to do this thing to you know get into the fraternity you'll consider you if you do this this thing and what it is is they task them with sneaking into um to a morgue um and but they have no intention of actually letting him into the fraternity they're just kind of fucking with him but um they stumble upon this kind of secret secret science room in the morgue Mm -hmm. that they're just not particularly surprised is there and they see this frozen guy with like kind of like lots of lights and buttons and stuff in there like i said it's just a general science room with lots of computers and beep boops and levers and things like that um and they've got this guy there and like, what is that? You know? And the guy, and, and one of them, I think it's JC recognizes that he's like cryogenically frozen. And he's like, you heard of freeze dried coffee. This is a freeze dried human total corpse sickle. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fucking great line. Um, and, uh, uh, and it is 
Johnny from the intro from from the 1959 kind of flashback. Um, so the corpse, you know, as you might expect, wakes up, grabs his arm, and and then they do this very classic runaway, like whoa, like Evan Costello <laughs> style, like run away out of the room. And JC is on crutches, by the way, like we said. So it's like it's 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 completely asinine but it's just it's a blast like it is very cartoonish um so these scientists come back and johnny's lying on the ground and one of the scientists is like oh my god and he walks up and johnny grabs the scientist by the neck and shoots the weird like slug out of his mouth into the <laughs> scientist's throat um and uh, and then you just kind of wait you don't know what you still don't kind of fully know what's happening but you know he's transfer transferred whatever this is that was in him into the scientist at this point then they they get into an argument, uh, Chris and JC, and then you get a you get a, a really strong hey fuck you, Chris, <laughs> at one point. <laughs> so I just thought it was kind of I just love when somebody says fuck you or like just a just a really firm fuck you to them. Uh, they get in this big fight and they exchange some like homophobic insults and then they and then they're friends again. Um, so now you cut to cut to Tom fucking Atkins and this is really where the movie shines. Yeah, uh, it's just him doing absolutely silly shit. Uh, wearing so the first thing you see is him wearing a white tux and sunglasses, sipping a drink out of a coconut, and just having eye intercourse with this beautiful woman on the beach. <laughs> and you, you then so he wakes he wakes up. You know, yeah. So he was dreaming, and he's uh, he, the, you know, he's a cop. Uh, or no, he's he. The dream cuts to he's a cop witnessing this axe murder, and you get this really cool like kind of gruesome ghoul effect uh when it kind of turns around but the whole thing was a dream and you start to know that you know understand that he was part of that scenario that was the flashback at the beginning it's pretty easy to tell he was the cop but it's like they don't come out and say it you know quite yet right like i said there's so many great lines by uh by detective cameron aka tom atkins um just just, just one just thing like, when like he yeah, yeah. wakes up and i think it's really important to his character when he wakes up in his house like and he's like in his fucking shitty lazy boy and yeah, like yeah. everything that surrounds him is like pulp detective stuff so he has yeah. like whiskey on the side table and then he has all these pulp detective novels mm-hmm. so like he's been reading that film noir pulp detective like kind of shit his yeah. entire life I think it's important yeah. to his character because his character is a fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, he's it's so like great, just, though. He, yeah, he's an absolute dick. He's just this kind of like absolute, just booze-soaked, flaming dickhead to everyone he comes in contact to with. Yeah. He just like says horrible shit to people. Like the one was the line I have written down here somewhere. He's like... um he comes into the science room, you know, and they see the, the, the uh, you know, the corpse on the ground and all this stuff. And he's like yelling at the, the the sergeant or whatever his name's ram ramsey ramey oh, it's ramey yeah yeah because yeah, it's of course dead right so like it's another another they're they're, they're mm-hmm. throughout the movie and he's like uh are you gonna straighten this out ramey or am i gonna play poop patrol with my nightstick yeah <laughs> like he suggests he's gonna like stick it up his ass yeah yes i don't know um but yeah you get like so yeah there's sergeant ramey detective landis uh, Cynthia Cronenberg, mm-hmm. you know, you get the, you get the uh, idea. Even um, uh, JC is Hooper. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, uh, I even for, fucking forget his name again. Um, but uh, Romero. 
is his friend, JC's friend. Chris? Chris. Yeah, it's Chris Romero. Oh, Chris Romero. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. And you're then, right. Um, yeah, there's a million of them. I mean, Cameron is even one, if you want to, because uh, at this point, uh, James Cameron had only directed Piranha 2 and The Terminator and Aliens. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it's hmm. supposed to be James Cameron. And then uh, one of the sorority girls has a cat named Gordon. And you can either take that to be <laughs> Charles Gordon or Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon. It's yeah. got to be Stuart yeah. Gordon. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah, I didn't catch the cat. No, I, yeah. I missed that part. Um, but yeah, I was counting them at one point, And then I was like, okay, there's you get we get the point. Yeah. There's a fucking we bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so so Johnny is kind of out, you know, strutting his stuff around town. The you know, zombie Johnny. Um, and then you get two classic, uh, classic eighties jump scare. You get, you get a kitty jump scare, jump scare, which you always got to appreciate a good kitty jump scare. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get some boobs and you just, you love to see it. I mean, those are, you get, you get the two, two, you know, quintessential <laughs> items of, of the mid eighties here within about two seconds of each other. I feel like if we want to talk about school horror and stuff like that, I feel like a locker room boob scene is fucking critical. Yeah. And it's and it's like it's a, it's gratuitous yeah. in, in this mm -hmm. instance. Yeah. And Ca Carrie, the one in Carrie is, is gratuitous. Terribly yeah. gratuitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about yeah. It. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So so Johnny, this, you know, zombie Johnny pops up with a flower at the window uh, that he threw pebbles at back in 1959. But of course, you know, new people live there. And then he releases all these little creepies out of his mouth. And you get to see for the first time that these things that are going into people's bodies and turning them into zombies are basically these fat moving little like alien slugs basically for for lack Did of a better term they have like a specific name for the slugs i, I don't think i caught it that's why i was no. like i was just calling them creeps because it's night of the creeps so right. i just that called them creeps. <laughs> that's but, cool. but yeah. no they never call them anything i just you know uh, i think i just started writing down creeps or creepies uh but yeah they're just these little alien slug things tommy shows up uh, he's ready to fuck at this point um <laughs> and he's just down to clown as soon as he walks in the room he leans in on the catchphrase, probably the most famous, not the most famous line in the movie, but the most famous catchphrase, which is, of course, thrill me. Uh, he, I did not remember how many times he says it. It's a lot. He says it a lot. But it also, Borderline overuses it. Well, but I also, again, it plays to that character that he's just a fucking loser who's playing what he thinks a detective should be. Like, yeah, yeah, I you, think you're yeah, right. He's... He, it's like, oh, I should be this booze bag with a cool catchphrase. My catchphrase is thrill me. <laughs> yeah, he's got and he's using it every chance. When he's not ripping cigs and having flashbacks, he's saying thrill mm -hmm. me. Like that's his move. Yeah. And I love that the that dream of him in the tuxedo sitting on the ground, like sitting in the sand with a tuxedo and a fancy drink is just such a like dumb dickhead thing to right. fantasize about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what somebody from a small town thinks is amazing <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's like what if i had a white tuxedo on right. and charm the pan and sick wrap around shades and i was just like you know just seducing all the ladies on the beach not even it's seducing just you just seize the one <laughs> just ogles yeah. them <laughs> what if i saw a hot lady while i was dressed nice that would be so sick <laughs> <laughs> be so sick what if, what if i fucking saw a hot chick when i was wearing a fucking tux it'd be sick, it'd be sick. um <laughs> it'd be fucking sick as fuck um <laughs> he does um 
so they they find this this corpse outside it's the it's the, it's the corpse of johnny and his face they they think that an axe somebody has axed him in the face because his head is just kind of split open um little do they know that it's because uh the uh the the critters you know the the creepies when they get into your head they like kind of lay eggs and like nest in your head and use your body you know uh, to to kind of walk around with and then they eventually all explode out of your head um but uh you know brad uh who is if you didn't already realize that the dickhead nazi youth uh <laughs> frat guy his name's brad i assume you just guessed that um but brad is like doing this brad stuff uh and cynthia kind of ro- i love when she rolls the bird up on him like in slow motion oh, she yeah, like yeah. does the old crank the bird yeah. up on him Fuck yeah, she um, does. I lo- after she i love that scene too because there's a whole crowd around them and yeah. it's only one girl that's right behind her starts clapping but there's a there's a there's a soundtrack for a whole group clapping, but it's only just one girl. Like yeah. only one person's like, hell yeah, you fucking got it. This is fucking great. Yeah. Well, guys, I just had a thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh fucking faculty ripped this movie off for sure. hundred yeah. percent. So did every I just other realized movie that. Ever. I didn't realize that until like after watching it, but yeah, holy shit. Yeah, there's there's definitely uh th- this is a uh, one of those like really it's just a good bad 80s movie you know what i mean that just a lot right. of people have a lot of like affection and in, in nostalgia sure. for which i'm of course no, one of great. them but um so uh you know brad's being a dick he like trips jc like i said cynthia does the whole roll the bird up on him and and tells him to fuck off and and um so the cops pick up jc and chris um and and kind of take them downtown to question him about this murder and the original scientist guy wakes up mid autopsy and just fucking bails and all the critters are like scurrying all over the place and you get this cool kind of like mutilated cat uh, effect too the practical effects in this i thought were good they're like few and far between mm-hmm. but they're they're just they're just pretty well done um i don't know who the special i forgot to look up who the who the uh, who was in charge of the effects so it, on this one. Uh, it was a production house but uh, of note it's kind of a precursor to uh, K and B effects, okay. because both um, uh, both Robert Kurtzman and uh, Greg Nicotero worked on this film. I so remember seeing Kurtzman in the credits. Now yeah. that you say that, but I did not. I did not um, notice Nicotero's name. Yeah, the, they they both worked on this film, and this film came out eighty six, and I believe K and B was officially formed in eighty eight. Okay, so, so this was this was leading up to them kind of going out on their own mm-hmm. there's one point here where where I, I i don't remember the exact scene it's a fairly leading to a fairly inconsequential scene oh it's when they're in their dorm room and cynthia shows up to their dorm and he's trying uh, russ i'm just gonna call him russ yeah. it's it's chris <laughs> but i'm just gonna call him russ um and russ is uh, uh is studying and jc's over there like drumming and being really loud and russ does the slowest head turn in history <laughs> and i love a good slow head turn like when somebody's talking just like take 10 seconds to slowly <laughs> turn your head towards them he just nailed it and his he's kept his eyes fixed the whole time it just i i, I laughed out loud at that um but cynthia confides in russ and, and you know basically explains that she knows the exact nature of these space creatures like she basically guessed like i think they lay eggs in your brain and explode out your face and he's like oh cool <laughs> um so jc 
oh, he sees because he's in the stall, right? And he sees that the little critters had busted out of the uh, the janitor's face. Yeah, and then he figures out um, that you can kill them with fire because he sets a, a what like a pack of matches on the ground and one of them runs right to it and burns up. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I like in this scene when they're all running around the bathroom like crazy, they reminded me of, do you guys remember at like the mall, you'd walk outside KB toys and they'd have like the little demo toys like out and <laughs> mm-hmm. out. And there's like oh, this yeah. little like ferret things yeah. that rolled around on the, the ball. balls, but <laughs> that's what they, yeah, the balls with yeah. the Fox tails that just bounced off the yeah. walls and shit. Yeah. That's what they reminded me of just bouncing <laughs> around this, bouncing around this bathroom and shit. And, um, I feel like this movie would have been more hilarious if they actually tried to use like like salt pellet guns or something like that to kill these little guys. Because then yeah. they could have made like the deaths like really dramatic. You know, yeah. they probably would have heard a noise. Like every one of them dies like Jada Pickett Smith. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would have humanized them a little bit. I mean, it would yeah. have been it would have made it more interesting, and you could have made it goofier as well. Just because like it, like. There's so many things that like make this movie almost a parody, but it's not a parody. But if mm-hmm. you if you're making an an, uh, an alien from outer space movie and you want to make it funny, then you make not fire, not water. You make it something like weird and mundane, like jelly, like or salt, like meak, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like meak from uh, Ernest Scared <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. It could have been some. They wanted an excuse to to, to use the uh, the flamethrower later on. Mm, I think is probably probably, probably the Fuck reality. Yeah. But everyone needs an excuse to use a flamethrower, though. Yeah, but it could and have been a to, super they, soaker full of jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been more realistic. We're really, we're really stuck on this jelly super soaker thing. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I just want a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> some hungry. Um. So, uh, yeah, so they figure out that they can kind of burn them up. So at this point, he runs into to Tom Atkins, uh, who who takes him back to his place, creepily enough, back to his weird, <laughs> sad bachelor pad and feeds him booze and explains the story of how when he's a young cop, you know, in the opening scene and the girl who died was his high school sweetheart and how he murdered the guy and disposed of the body that that killed him. And I'm like. You just met this kid. You basically accosted him, <laughs> take him back to your creepy apartment, and then confessed murder to him. It's like uh, it, it really uh, it, it it's a completely asinine scene. But he doesn't just, clearly understand how to be a murderer. No. Yeah, Russ even asks him. It's he's obvious. like, "Why?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." I wish I knew, kid. It's just, <laughs> it is just more of that. This is what I think a loser detective does. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is what like a film. This is like what a noir shitbag detective would just confess to a random kid, yeah. high school kid. Um, but uh, my darkest secret is now yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now he he figures out that like the sorority house, where the sorority house is now, where specifically where the house mother's cottage is behind the sorority house, is where where he buried the body of the killer that he killed the killer that killed his girlfriend uh from high school he buried that murderer's body and he starts calling jc or no he starts calling chris aka russ spanky at this point which i do very much appreciate um (laughs) and you know basically these things kind of resurrect the dead really i mean they'll they'll jump into living people's mind take them over but they can also kind of use dead bodies as a vessel um but uh 
yeah. So he's he's kind of like going to check on it, and he kind of sees where it happens. He goes to the sorority house. This is after you know he has seen that that is where it exists, right? That's where mm-hmm. the body exists. So, um, but I just want to take this moment to to call out the fact that no one but no one rips heaters like Tom Atkins. <laughs> just he just fucking. I could just watch a movie of Tom Atkins standing there with like a like a stony look on his face, just smoke a full pack of cigarettes and I would watch it. It's he's just Jim Jarmusch really dropped the ball and not having Tom Atkins just in the background of coffee and cigarettes, always ripping smokes, just sitting there looking mean, just fucking just one hit, just smoking it to the filter, stubbing out butts and Uh, lighting another. (laughs) Yeah. Lighting the new one off the old one. It's just, uh, he's just, he just makes smoking so cool. Um, and, uh, at this point, the is it the coroner? It's the guy who stabs the. Well, this is what we'll talk about here in a second. But um, you get the gratuitous uh, sorority, you know, house shower montage. At this point, um, you kind of know that JC kind of got got at this point, but you don't know for sure. You kind of think he probably survived, but then you haven't seen him in a minute. Yeah, you haven't seen him. You don't know where he's going to pop up, but then. Um, Chris goes back to the, their dorm room and JC had left a tape explaining that he had been turned into a zombie and that fire kills them. And it's a pretty, it like tugs at the heartstrings a little bit because he knows what's happening. And he's like, I think I'm dead, you know, and it's a recording. And then he talks about how he's dead and he's obviously very like not chill about being dead, but he's also like, he walked for the first time on his own. So yeah. he's kind of psyched about that. It's real. It's yeah. It's it. It, it was. A, it, it, it is. I don't know. I like like I like mm-hmm. it, but it's also super dark and depressing, and it's sad. Yeah. And after mm-hmm. I felt like most of this film was kind of flat. Yeah. Like it, it, it takes such a hard dip. <laughs> the tone changes just so rapidly. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> You start questioning your life midway through this ridiculous film. Well, here's film. the thing, too, is like, oh, Meg heard, Meg heard us talking about ripping smokes. She had to go grab yeah, one. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so he, the the um, uh, the weirdest thing about, well, not weird, I guess, if you're thinking about it, like, in the 80s, movies, TV shows, fucking cartoons, they all love to exploit people with disabilities. <laughs> like that was a real mm. common thing in the eighties of like using yeah. that to pull on, pull on the heartstrings or like make you root for somebody or make you hate somebody. It was always cause you mm. were either had a disability or were picking on somebody or were trying to help somebody with a disability. So I guess it's not that surprising, but a lot, a lot of after school specials and Mac and me. Yeah, exactly. Mac and me. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, why do you gotta bring dogs into this? <laughs> no, Mac. Have you seen Mac and me? Is that the one with the dogs? What's the one? Oh, it's yeah, Marley and no. me. Wow. Oh, I was like, Mac and me. I was like, damn it. I can't think of two more different movies than Mac and me and Marley and me. I definitely have I want not you seen to, Mac and me. I, I don't want even you to know go watch about. Mac and me, and then you will laugh at how not what you thought it was it is. I'm probably going to be happy. Mac that it and wasn't. me is a McDonald's funded ET ripoff. Let's just like, that's also, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Oh God! Um, we need That's to cover, even though it's not horror. We need to cover it at some point. Um, yeah, but uh, 
Hey, whoever wins, that should just be our revenge. <laughs> I, film. I, that is that is a revenge. I film. agree. Mutually I am in agreement. Deciding I'm not going to win right this now. episode. I already know that, but I <laughs> I will agree to watch Mac and Me. It's fucking hilarious. Um, so Russ uh, Russ goes looking uh, for um, for JC kind of in the boiler room, and he finds his body and kind of explains the whole deal to Tom Atkins. You know who's who was about to kill himself again. It's very dark. He calls him on the phone. And he's like, all right, I'll be there. But he was just about to kill himself. Yeah. Like he shut as, the as a loser cop should. Yeah, he shut the oven off. He was just it. about to put his head in the oven. Um, and he had the, ta- right. the door which, all taped up with duct tape. <laughs> so yeah. poetic. Which again is such a like I think that's what a pulp detective yeah, in the forties would do. In the is stick your head 40s in the oven. Fifties, <laughs> yeah. Like right after all, like the, the the boys coming back from the war, like that's how you'd kill yourself by putting your head mm-hmm. in the oven. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's got dark. Yeah, it does. Fast, There's guys. some some really weird. Kind of, but um, so Russ, you know, it kind of explains the whole thing to him. Um, <laughs> the dog. Maybe my favorite scene is when the dar the dog this just random dog barfs one of the little critters into the Bradster's mouth. <laughs> He's like, Oh, that's such a good one. Um, and then the frat guys are all on their way to like a formal, I guess. And all the sorority girls are like getting ready for the former, for the formal, the frat guys bus crashes uh, because the dog walks out in front of them. The guy swerves cra- on a residential street, somehow rolls like a greyhound bus on a residential street and no yeah. one even comes outside to look <laughs> and and you you enter dick miller at this point which i love dick miller um he is mm-hmm. kind of the armory guy at the police station that gives tom atkins a flamethrower um and there's this whole scene where he's like not going to give it to tom atkins because he doesn't have like an id or something and tom atkins basically threatens to kill him um right he doesn't he doesn't have the requisition for yeah. him for a flamethrower like, well i could shoot you with a shotgun <laughs> and he's like yeah all right don't worry about the form um but uh <laughs> but what if i kill you <laughs> yeah he takes it from from zero to 60 uh but you know, so there's this foreshadowing with this the pilot light on the flamethrower at this point. He's like, it's a real bitch if it goes out, kind of thing. Um, but so so zombie Brad shows up at the sorority house, um, and you know, chaos starts to ensue. Actually, the girl who opens the door is just like, Hey Brad, come in. Like she doesn't notice he's a zombie. Um, <laughs> but then the dog ends up going on and inf- infecting the whole crashed frat bus of the the, you know, they apparently they all perished in this. <laughs> accident on a residential street um but cynthia keeps trying to break up this is my favorite scene in the movie hands down cynthia trying to break up with zombie brad like he's clearly a zombie he's like a fucking (laughs) ghoul and she's like come on let's go outside and talk and she sits behind him and they pan across and he's in the background like and she's like i don't think we should see each other anymore and then russ ends up showing up with the flamethrower of course and, and you know burns him and then this is where you get the, uh, uh, the 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 most iconic line where Tom Atkins busts in. They're like, "Who the fuck are you?" And he's like, "I'm a cop. Fucking everyone's zombies." And she goes, uh, and he looks out the window and he goes, hey, "Good news and bad news. Good news is your dates are here." And she's like, "What's the bad news?" <laughs> They're dead. That's, just, that's the best line of the movie by far. I don't see that as a bad thing, though. I mean, you know, that's not if a bad zombie, news. If your zombie date shows up. 
Um, he also, what was the it's Miller time quote? Did you? Oh, I do remember that. He definitely, I remember that. So he says it's like, Miller they, time. In, it was in yeah. the car. I, yeah. I know he says it, but I, I don't remember. Yeah. was like, it's was Miller time, like a slogan really around that time though. for like Miller beer or were like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because wasn't yeah, that around Miller like the great a... taste less filling? Wasn't the mid eighties all about the great taste less filling? Yeah, because it's also in. Um, I think it's also in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um. Fucking. Uh. Peter Venkman says it. Does he? Why don't I remember that? Yeah. I don't know. He. He. It was just a. Yeah. It was a scene where they're like excited for something. I think it might be after they defeat <laughs> Gozer. Uh, He's like, it's Miller time. Okay. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. Um. Any case, uh, yeah, just just throwing out fucking one-liners and quips left and right. Um, he sees the the picture of his dead girlfriend, and it gives him straight up Hulkamania, and he starts just shooting everybody. <laughs> um, and then at this point, the the I, I was pissed about this because uh, I don't I don't, I didn't even remember this scene, and then I was like, oh, how did I remember this? And then they completely wasted. They waste a lawnmower kill. They literally yeah. have like a, a dead alive style lawnmower kill set up and they do it off screen, which which was a bummer. It, I mean, it wasn't just off screen. It was they they do it and it, they just do like a little animation splat. Yeah, the blood, spl- on the the blood splatter shooting towards her yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it was just yeah, it, it was like an obviously like cartoon rotoscoped on blood splat. It just it looks fucking terrible. Yeah, that, I didn't remember that one. That one really sucked. Um, is wasted kill for sure. I feel like that could have been a really cool callback if they even like did try to do certain kills that were like reminiscent with like how you wonder if they, they have, were like, gonna do it like, and then they were just like, eh, yeah, it doesn't look the way we want. Cool. Maybe at that time too, it wasn't as accepted or something. I don't know. Well, Dead Alive. Oh, Dead Alive was like, out. yeah, it doesn't come out for like three more years or something like that, right? Yeah, I think that was like ninety two. Mm. Oh, I thought it was eighty nine. For some reason, eighty nine mm. was yeah, ninety two. That was yeah. That was the follow up to Bad Taste yeah. too. So yeah, mm-hmm. that would make um, sense. Yeah. yeah. So the lawnmower kill. So they realize um, that they that all the, the the creepies are going down into the basement um, because that's where uh, you notice earlier there was some foreshadowing earlier where one of the sorority girls was like, she's like, what do you got there? She's like, a bunch of brains for science class. Like I'm just gonna hide <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> It's like, wait, you're telling me like your professor asked you to stash brains in your sorority basement? Like, what are you fucking talking about? Um, so they get up. Tom Tom Atkins has got them all in the corner, um, and he's got like tape over his mouth so they don't get in. And uh, there's one where he's like, uh, he's like, don't even think about it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he's talking to the creepies, um, and then he kind of gives Russ. Russ comes out, gives him this little wink, and he starts counting backwards. Um, and, uh, and Russ, you know, delivers the line as, as Tommy sacrifices himself to kill all the aliens kind of independence day style. So Russ, Russ and Cynthia, you know, you know, smooching as the, you know, the final kind of, uh, you know, the explosion happens and the fire department showing up and then they didn't have to do this, but I really appreciate it. It's Tom Atkins charred corpse walking down the street, ripping a cig. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just collapses and several of the little creepies pop out uh, of his head and run into a cemetery. And then you see the spacecraft. You get the, the, the spacecraft from the beginning, comes back, and it's still, you know, hovering over the the, the cemetery, kind of hunting for the little creeps. And, uh, uh, and yeah, that's it. That's the credits. Yeah. 
It's a great it's a great setup for a sequel if there was one, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised. Yeah. yeah, like I said, this is uh, this is not a good movie, but I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it takes on certain things. Like when I talked about in the beginning, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good for a zombie movie. But I was also in the same moment um, when I was watching it, thinking I'm like, this would also be we could have like had this in an alien. Yeah, episode it's almost too, a body you know? snatchers ish type of thing too. Like, but they're not hiding necessarily. But yeah, it's a uh, it is definitely a. I don't even know if I would say a spoof or necessarily a pure parody, but it is definitely a take on like a yeah a fifties sci fi mm-hmm. film noir type of thing. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. kind of like my biggest problem with the film is that it, it it constantly is just riding the line and it doesn't commit to being full parody. Mm-hmm. No, because mm-hmm. like because like there's again that opening 15 minutes and then tom atkins character yeah. and then naming all of the characters after horror movie directors yeah. like there's all these things happening but like it never just fully crosses over there's also that one really great gag of the scientist who gets up from the uh, the morgue mm-hmm. And is walking out. He's buck naked and he's covered in blood. <laughs> passes a security guard, and the security guard is like, "Nope, see you tomorrow." <laughs> like, I forgot. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah, it is yeah. very. It's almost like they wanted. They had this project in their mind of, like I said, this this kind of spoof on like you know fifties and sixties, you know, sci fi type of thing. And then they were like, "But we kind of got to make it a buddy comedy too." You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, for some reason, I really like JC and and Chris and like their chemistry. uh, You know, they're they're not putting on the performance of a lifetime or anything, but I I don't know. I just find their their kind of chemistry very charming and very like of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it just feels like, I don't know. They, maybe the, the, the other actors weren't in on it. I feel like Tom Atkins is in on it. Oh, yeah. Because he knows he's playing this over-the-top, like, loser cop, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, like, but it feels like nobody else knows that they're in a parody. They think they're in an an actual film. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I don't... It it, it feels like, yeah, whatever script rewrites or something that happened kind of got bastardized. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. nobody... Everyone was not on the same page in terms of what the movie was, was supposed to be. But I... Again, we've talked about this before, and this is why I kind of like a lot of not necessarily great movies is because in that situation where there are is this kind of disjointed nature to the narrative, anything can kind of happen. So it is like pretty unpredictable <laughs> in that way. Like fair. If yeah. 20 minutes earlier, the spaceship came down and the end was them in a firefight against the little aliens like that wouldn't have been surprising. That would have been like no, in, no. completely in line. You mm-hmm. know, that would not have, uh, have. It could have went in a million different directions, um, and I don't know. I think that's that's what I like about the unpredictable nature of people who don't care or don't know better than to write a cohesive narrative. Like <laughs> it just makes it r- <laughs> unpredictable. It's like uninvited. Anything could yeah. happen in that movie. You wouldn't be surprised. Anything could happen. <laughs> so. <laughs> interesting just to talk quickly about like the the director mm-hmm. and writer yeah. of this film uh fred decker mm-hmm. interesting interesting kind of career he's had yeah because he wrote and direct night of the creeps right. uh he wrote and direct the monster squad yep 
Yep. I forgot Which to mention th- that at th- the top of the show. Yeah. The, the Monster Squad, section. I think I think it hits everything that it wants to be. Mm-hmm. I think Monster Squad is probably his most effective film. Yeah. Because his least effective film is Robocop 3. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about how I kind of like Robocop 3, but <laughs> I guess. Robocop 3 is terrible. Uh, he also has writing credits for House and House 2. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is funny because House 2 is referenced in Scream 2 as one of the terrible sequels. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, doesn't he? So, one of them's like, all sequels are always worse. And he's like, what about House 2? And he's like, yeah. they're like, Come fuck on. you. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's just interesting. And then like his career like disappears after the 90s, after Robocop 3, really. He ruined his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also has a writing credit, but he has a writing credit on the 2018 Predator remake, too. Right, which is what I was going to bring oh, up. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, apparently they he has some sort of friendship with Shane Black, mm-hmm. who was the director and he was in the original Predator and, you know, wrote Le- Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. and has like, you know, has his own career. But I guess Shane Black is somewhere in the background of this film. Yeah. He's like he's like at one of the frat oh, parties. Oh, he's literally so I guess they in have... the background. Okay, I thought you meant yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Shane Black is somewhere in this film. He's either one of the cops or one of the frat frat bros. Who is the? So... I'm trying to picture. I'm I'm having trouble picturing Shane Black, and I wonder if he is. He's not the the dickhead jock that Cynthia is originally talking to. Is he? No, no, no. Because I can't no. picture what Shane Black looks like. <laughs> he, um, yeah, yeah. I don't think he would be really recognizable because he's just kind of like a nerdy dude. Okay. And like in, um, in the original Predator film, I think he's just kind of like a he's the nerdy guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Meg, it's up to you. Hi guys. Hey guys. You know what? The underdog is here. Are you painting yourself as an underdog? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I chose the most like like cliche one for this topic, so I recognize my my tactics. At least you didn't choose. Um, at least you didn't choose the faculty yeah. because we'd be really too tired to sit through you talk about the same movie again. And then I also would have been torn apart after like it being a ripoff. After you know what I mean. Though we did talk about that, it's being a great film. So, anywho, I have Carrie, the 1976 adaptation of the Stephen King novel, coined also Carrie. Um, it was adapted by, let me see, it was Lawrence D. Cohen, which he didn't really have a lot of stuff going on around in his career. I don't know, like, really, Wikipedia doesn't say much about him besides the Carrie, right? But it was um, directed by Brian De Palma, which, if we look at his, like, history, he has a lot of good shit. He actually directed Scarface, too. Yeah, Scarface. It's like, um, he had a pretty good career. Yeah, he, he, a bunch he, of other shit, too. That was just one of the notable things, yeah. too. He has, an, he has another film with John Travolta that it's, it's a good... I don't know. It's not the characters are despicable, but it's a good rewatch. Um, but yeah, just because I think he met, he might have met Travolta on this film, and then they made this sure. other film, which I fucking forget the name of, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Yeah, he's got he's got actually <laughs> a fine. lot of a lot of. Good, I mean, he's he did yeah. the, the Untouchables, the the eighties the the eighties mm-hmm. version of it. He, De Palma's uh, he's got a lot of great. He's, he's got, got a lot stuff. of great flicks. Yeah. 
Totally. And I mean, what I think I love about the adaptation and obviously the story is that I I feel like it hits a lot of like reading revenge meets psychological horror meets, I'm just going to call it rampage mode horror, which yes, I'm going to make that thing up right now also in a high school. And so we have Carrie White played by Sissy Spacek, which I also didn't realize who her daughters were, but like I have an early memory of the Babysitter's Club when I was a fucking <laughs> child and the, both of her daughters were on that i was like oh shit that's awesome which i think she does an amazing job in this film as basically this very withdrawn sensitive awkward fucking teen um who has no friends and we open up basically to really getting a hint at that with the volleyball game and then going into the locker room can we talk about the overreaction of the volleyball game though like she, <laughs> me as an no, them, just like in general them getting so them, upset they were they were, they were like so somebody upset. had money on this fucking volleyball game and then yeah. she missed it Maybe they did. and she and they're ruined like, everything <laughs> just come up you know what they they had chocolate gonna... milks on the game brian it was such an overreaction they just like, you eat shit, but i also i feel like what this movie does in uh, like i don't even know how to describe it way of like talking about the human experience for for girls in high school you know like i felt a lot in even re-watching it now as an adult i'm like God, this is so fucking triggering and how evil girls are, you yeah. know, like fucking evil. Yeah, you felt terrible like, for I her felt, the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't, a, I mean, I, I played sports in high school, so I, I wasn't like a super, like, I don't know, loser. So I wasn't a fucking time, loser. I, super. <laughs> I played sports, which <laughs> means I, I wasn't, wasn't a popular. fucking loser. I was, <laughs> you know, so this movie was great. I mean, I feel like it was a good um, rewatch and I'm glad I chose um, it. Have you but, ever uh, seen a locker room full of any person, people that were so thrilled to be nude? I actually, <laughs> I made a note about that too. I was like, I have never even in my entire life, all of us are every, every locker room scenario is like, don't make eye contact, just get yeah. dressed, go shower, you know, yeah. whatever. And like, get the fuck right. out of there. They're having yeah, fun. Yeah. Let alone walking around naked the entire yeah, time. And not just I mean, like, maybe they, some of these were different. Ass naked. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, top mm-hmm. to bottom for sure. There's a there's a <laughs> lot of murk and work in this scene. <laughs> murk and work. <laughs> That's a, we have still haven't started but, the band. Murk and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We <laughs> gotta get a t-shirt before we can start a band. That's true. <laughs> t-shirt first, then the band, <laughs> then we grow the sick pubes. Steve, make that happen. It's gotta be up on our oh, well, what a oh, shot well, fire or whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so Carrie's like, we've slowly eventually get to Carrie, uh, taking a shower and she realized she has her period for the first time. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm fucking yeah, dying. She didn't know what was Which, happening again. She didn't fucking yeah. understand. Yeah. I mean, that it's a terrifying time <laughs> to be fair um, though. Do you really have to grab somebody's shirt with a bloody hand? No, so I also made that point. I'm like, <laughs> I like how Steve's taking the other side of this. He's of like, DJ like, Soul. No, she should have fucking known exactly what she deserved. Yeah. <laughs> all those girls deserved all the period blood all over them the entire time. I do yeah. declare. But I mean, think, think you're in high school, right? You can't go home and change your shirt. She just rubbed period blood all over your shirt. Now you have to go get something out of the lost and found box. And that probably it's called smells. A trophy, Steve. It's called a trophy, Steve. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, no, but so she, like that was also a note I made to you. I'm like, even if I was so uncomfortable and I had blood all over me, I don't think I'd be like walking towards someone being like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you thought you were dying, yeah. maybe, maybe I think she thought she was bleeding um, out or something. I don't know. Like she, yeah, she was yeah, like her like, appendix exploded or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, cramps could probably, but this like was that, like you know? such a, it's just such a, I forgot how like uncomfortable then heartbreaking the scene is because the whole scene oh, up yeah. before she starts bleeding is like the most intense, like male gaze camera of yeah. all time. And yeah. she's supposed to be yeah. like a high school girl. It's just way over the top. And then, and then the, uh, you know, how like heartbreaking the, sh- the rest of the shower scene is. And the, like the soundtrack is like this dreamy, yeah. like romantic mm-hmm. background. It's just like, oh, it's really it's uncomfortable. Just, yeah. I don't know if you guys felt this out through the whole movie. I feel like that's a really strong point for this film in general of is that I feel like they do an amazing job with the score, which mm-hmm. I don't think I know off the top of my head who um, did that. But oh, yeah. Music by uh, Pino Dinaggio. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's done uh, tons of film scores. Yeah, no, I, I felt like I think it aided in a lot of the yeah. scenes that mm-hmm. we can talk about in creating like tenseness. Um, but what I also love is right after this, the basically I think she's a gym teacher, Miss Collins, played by Betty Buckley, which I mean, she I mean, she had a good career. She didn't have like an extensive one. I even see back in like 2016, she played in Split, which I thought that was that's pretty cool. Um, but I actually love her character, you know, even like throughout the whole movie, because she is like one of the most badass fucking bitches she's like fuck you motherfuckers i know your yeah. type she's like when I'm she's torturing the them down. and shit with the uh yeah i fucking love it i genuinely i think like i wish i had someone like that in my corner in high school um oh that's what i was thinking yeah, of. So, so sorry the 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 composer um he did um a ton of different stuff but he, including uh Carrie, obviously, but also um, uh, Piranha and Taurus Trap. He did, which has fantastic okay. music. He did. Uh, he did the how. He did the score for the Howling, um, uh, the Fan, the Seed of Chucky. Uh, <laughs> really, I didn't even got that far. Yeah. So yeah. so many. I I mean, I knew I recognized his name, and I was like, what is he? Like, what is he? He did a bunch of Brian De Palma movies. You know, he mm-hmm. was all over the place. So. Hmm. Yeah. So when Miss Collins intervenes, she pre- I love that she first like just starts grabbing them. They're like, I we need more of that in high school of like people like like teachers grabbing me like, what the fuck are you doing? Shaking. Fucking get your shit together, you know. Um, and I think she does that throughout the entire film, as we will talk about eventually, where she is like reprimanding this entire fucking locker room and basically telling them to go fuck themselves. Um. But right after that, um, basically, Carrie gets brought into the principal's office. And this is when we first start seeing her, quote unquote, like telekinetic type powers start like coming out, or at least we're introduced to them. And but also there's just a lot of shitty people around her. I'm like a principal continuously calling her Cassie when he's correct. Yeah, he's doing it on purpose. Like, right? He's, he's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. He is like an he is he's just, just trolling. I'm just or he's just trolling I'm not going to point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer instead of even giving him the credit for trolling, I would rather just call him an yeah. idiot and just say he doesn't understand. I, I, I like the idiot route, especially considering the mm-hmm. way it ends for him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like he's just an over the top buffoon. Yeah. So and then he gets yeah. uh, does he get electrocuted at the end? Yeah. He gets electrocuted <laughs> for oh, touching yeah. live wires <laughs> while he's wet. Let me let me go fucking touch this mic. You see, being electrocuted is the funniest way to see, die. This, this movie got me heated mildly, man. I didn't realize how heated I was. Um so anywho, um, we get through that scene. She gets sent home. She basically gets so upset when he keeps calling her Cassie and is being corrected. She like flings this ashtray at, like up in the air and breaks it. Um, and then she's on her way home. This is when we're getting more hints and stuff that she has something going on that she's getting more cued in on and that, you know, starts developing and she starts exploring but um i love that little kid on the kid on the bike it was just like oh hey creepy carrie and then basically used her power to like <laughs> shove him off you know and i, I do like perfect. that like she just knocked him to the into the grass not like launched him in front of a garbage <laughs> yeah. truck she's just like right yeah well, maybe she, she i bet him. you if it was later on she probably could yeah. have because she would have right. if it was after prom but, that yeah. kid would have got yeeted <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He would have he would have got the same fate as the shredder in the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, smushed in the garbage truck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, I think that is uh, Brian De Palma's son. Is it really? Yeah, because oh. he's uh, in oh. the credits. He's listed as something De Palma, so mm. he's a son or a, or mm. you know a nephew or something. Yeah, yeah. Noted, noted. Um, and then we cut to a scene where we get introduced to Carrie's mother and understand how religious she really is and how this like basically um like runs yeah, her life. She, she goes over horny to it for Jeebus. <laughs> so <laughs> horny. Um it's Sue, I forget White. the last name. It's one of the girls that, yeah. Oh no no uh Sue the the one uh high oh, schooler that she that, goes over to uh, her house. To yeah yeah. Yeah that's where she's at and she's like I'm here doing the Lord's work, spreading the gospel <laughs> of God's salvation through Christ's blood. You know, I, I if somebody like comes just, up to my to house, like, starts spitting that it. shit, like you're not coming in the yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was, and she, she was, was preaching yeah. like, no. hard. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like really talking about how all these young kids have sin and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know all this stuff that I'll mock to the day I die. Um, <laughs> yeah. She was being she was being pretty OTT about the whole thing. Yeah, she was she was super passive aggressive to gain entrance into the house. Yeah, though. yeah. Because yeah. she 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 made, was asking what would Jesus do, and she did. yeah she 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 you know what but. Jesus would passive aggressively stand outside your house. Jesus famous for passive passive aggressively breaking and entering. <laughs> yeah. Make you feel completely bad and then make you let you come in. So, um, and then, and then I, I, the only thing I felt like was really awkward about even maybe it was more of the editing was like how much things cut and then you kind of like slowly had to piece things together. And I feel like it, it was more jarring now having to look at it a little bit more analytically, like where I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Um, so we just keep on jumping. So we're just like being introduced to things and things slowly start developing. The pacing in this but movie is really We jump great. back to the pace. I think it's good. I, I do think the yeah, I just good. love like it just you you learn how many minutes into the movie do you learn or do you get the inkling that she's got like psychic or, or oh that's like less power. than 15, yeah it's great you know? like yeah, yeah like maybe 10 yeah. yeah yeah I I think the pace is good but I think my my hold up only is like with the editing and that I felt like there could have been more seamlessness with like the story development of mm -hmm. sorts mm -hmm. and I mean that's just more so me reflecting on it now um <clears throat> but yeah so now we get back and Carrie's mother shows back up at the house Carrie's already there she quickly gets dressed um and goes down and 
um, her mother ends up getting a call to understand that she now has had her period and all of a sudden her mother's the tone change. And this is also where the music I think goes really well with the scene because we're painting like how emotional and how like even like, I don't know, how upsetting her like mother manic. is. That she her just goes like manic a, yeah. and irrational. She goes mm-hmm. from like normal having dinner to like manic, irrational totally. preaching, dragging her by the hair in five seconds. Yeah, absolutely. She is 110% either bipolar or manic or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, so yeah, so we, she, and she basically has this complete flip out on Carrie about basically like, you're a woman now. What? And then Carrie is freaking out. She's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And so I think we also see the mother's inter- internal struggles with like her own life and maybe even relationship with religion and also the past of like her getting pregnant and blah, blah, blah. So she clearly has like some sort of distance between the two. And, um, has a lot of anger and pain related regarding it, but also just thinks it's sin. So she just keeps on making her scream. Eve is weak. And I'm like, Oh yeah. God. She's like unclean. <laughs> Doesn't she make her say she's unclean Adam here. or something too? Fault? Like, yeah, she's, she's yeah. a lot. <laughs> and then she gets, lo- and then Carrie, Carrie gets locked in With the creepy closet. Yes. And now she gets dragged by. Yeah. Ew. Oh my God. Get out of here. Why would they paint eyes? Like, why? I mean, if they're so religious, why would they paint eyes on her? Were the were the eyes? Yeah, I thought they were glowing because I wanted to talk about this, Jesus. Oh, really? I thought they were. I thought they did. They just painted on it. Mm, I thought they were glowing because it made me think of like action figures from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like Cyclops had light up eyes yeah. and you just shined a mm. flashlight in his back. Yeah. And his eyes light up. That's what I thought was going on. I with took that it thing. as it was one of those like little things where there was like a candle, like the candle was in or maybe I don't know. But it was like, yeah, they, it was a real it was a it was among the creepier Jesuses. You didn't want it looking anywhere near you. But I also get to think that maybe they painted them on there so it almost looks like he's always watching you. Yeah, you know? but also like look at that. he had a perm and no beard. So it's a really upsetting Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like he's like Elf on the Shelf Jesus. Like he's, he's watching you. Like he's hanging around your house watching you. Um. That's very great. Um, I... I feel like this other this next scene really shows that maybe even Carrie has this like she's a maturing or she already knows how to work with her mother because she basically is just like hi mama and I'm like this is so awkward and uncomfortable but I can understand if like she knows if she acts that way her mom's gonna be like okay you can just go to bed I'm not gonna it's torture like a survival you anymore kind of Fuck instinct yeah. for her yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we wa- and we watch that play out when she goes upstairs and she clearly is so distraught and upset and, and that ends up causing her to break the I love the when that, that effect yeah. of when the mirror flexes before it breaks. Yeah. So yeah. fucking totally. cool. I did like it too. Definitely. Um and like obviously the mother comes up and is um like what the fuck happened? She's like, I'm just saying my prayers, guys. Um <laughs> sometimes sorry, I pray. My mocking of Carrie is not. <laughs> what was that yeah. sound? Don't worry about it. I was just saying hey to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
um, again, but this is like, then we cut immediately back to school and, um, we're in basically, it's like an English class and he's reciting a poem and we've come to find out it's Tommy. Who's like this, like high jock, he's such a Tommy. super popular. Like if Brad <laughs> was such, such a, a Brad, this guy is such a Tommy. Yeah. I actually, I loved his fucking hair too. He, he looks like Tommy. He looks like Tommy from the fucking rock opera. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, that's what he's trying to <laughs> he say. He looks yeah. like a goddamn pinball wizard. <laughs> yeah. Um, that deaf, great. dumb, blind kid. Sir, play a mean, mean pinball. pinball. Yeah. I'll tell and you this, what. <laughs> and this is another um, time where we start seeing even the teachers are fucking giving Carrie oh, yeah. shit. Because she's just like, this poem's so beautiful. Which, granted, it's kind of awkward in a way, but at the same time, she, she probably isn't allowed to read poetry. Go fuck yourself. She says to yeah, read the Bible. She's probably never heard words before. She probably has. She probably has. <laughs> she probably never read poetry. You, you know. She reads books on yeah. sewing and not It's like poetry. if you never watched like, cartoons you know, before. Somebody puts you down in front of gummy bears, you're going to think it's sick. Like, right. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You'll quickly I learn that it's exactly not the best, it. but. Yeah. For you, it's awesome. Yeah. Plus, the, the other thing is, yeah. like, the it's like subtext and it's revealed later, but, like, it's a poem that Tommy copied. Yeah. And so, like, right. assumedly, right. the teacher knows that he copied right. it. Mm-hmm. But like Carrie doesn't know. Cause like you said, she can only read the Bible and pamphlets about the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that teacher is yeah. great though. He's a great character actor from like the, the seventies. It's uh, uh, I wrote his name now, Sidney Lassick. He's, he's mm-hmm. best known for one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but he pops up oh, in yeah, a yeah. bunch oh. of stuff. He's such a great, like sixties, seventies character actor. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, he did good. I think and what he was at, set out to do, because I think they were definitely trying to play this out in how extreme, like how like mean people can actually mm-hmm. be like this is the OG Mean Girls movie, you know, but there's a lot more <laughs> yeah. death. Um, so then we basically go on to we have this is the ultimate scene where I like fucking fall in love with Miss Collins and she's like, I am not fucking around. You're not going mm-hmm. to prom or getting detention, you stupid son yeah. of a bitch. And um, I think this is also where we kind of have certain other plots within this movie um build off with christine who ends up being one of the culprits with the whole pig's she's blood like the so queen so bee bitch of like the me the mean girl yeah. crew yeah i'm a little surprised there wasn't more focus i mean there was a lot of focus on her obviously it was like her and mm-hmm. sue but like um i'm surprised there wasn't more development you know but we'll, we'll we can go into that here as we see her more and like she tries to corral everyone else is like basically um because maybe i'm jumping ahead but like when they go to do the detention christine's like if we all could do this together then she can't do yeah. anything and then everyone's like nah brah like you're on well, your she's kind of like that because they know she's a yeah, fucking she's that bitch. person that's like really entitled and she thinks that like the rules don't apply to her type of thing and mm-hmm. all the rest of them oh, yeah. even like pj souls like pj souls and her are the two PJ Souls is uh yeah, she she was Linda in Halloween. Like that's definitely her most most known, but she's been in yeah. a million things. She and her those those two are kind of like the ones that have no conscience whatsoever. And like the rest Oh yeah, she the one with the baseball yeah. hat. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I made a joke about her later because she wears a baseball yeah, hat. What the prom, fuck was that all about? I never so noticed great. that before. <laughs> she's, um, she's the uh she's the um oh I think it's Amanda Seafried of Mean Girls. And, oh, and, then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. and then Chris would be the Regina King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think 
Steve has ultimately <laughs> seen Mean Girls at least yeah. 20 times, yeah, mean girl, which is fine. It's, it's a great funny. movie. Yeah. I mean, get off great. my ass. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I, I feel like I tried to make fun of you and also was like, no, it's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> love Lacey Chabert. Love Tina Fey. Love Tim Meadows. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Yeah, with that. absolutely. <laughs> um and then we move on to carrie is starting to try to she catches on that she has something going on with her and she wants to figure it out so she goes to the library she starts looking at books about like miracles and hidden powers and then eventually finds books relating to telekinesis and kind of identifies that this is probably what's going on with her um and then again jump where this is so sue sue snell i think is a character that kind of surprised me because she definitely was like one of the cunty characters early on mm-hmm. um and she tries to get her boyfriend and she asks her boyfriend to take carrie to prom and so you're led on to believe that she's doing this for a malicious yeah. reason and i think we really understand later she actually no. wasn't yeah she- i mean it's not until the end of the film that you realize that it was it was a good-hearted you know intentional thing yeah they genuinely actually wanted her to like they felt so bad about what happened in the locker room that they wanted her to actually yeah you don't you didn't know if like Um, tommy fully understood that or not too so it was all yeah it was almost like because the whole time at the prom i mean you know you know what's happened with the pig's blood but you don't know if it's actually going to happen or not the first time you watch it obviously it's like something that's hugely in the zeitgeist now so i don't feel like anybody who watched this now would be surprised by it but like at the time and i remember the first time i watched it you're like how is you're terrified because you're like how is carrie going to get embarrassed you know what i mean and is it going to be tommy's mean to her is it going to be who you know what's going to happen so it's almost like a right red herring reveal or a red herring um um risk almost you know what i mean but then you ultimately realize that like they they were being trying to be genuinely kind in their like weird high school kid way yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like they lead it on to almost like they're all in cahoots but at the same time there's no actual like scene or connection that sue and christine are working together they're definitely doing two separate things but i think you're led on to believe that maybe they're all doing Mm -hmm. this negative thing you you just assume because the first scene they're both together throwing fucking tampons yeah so you just assume that they work together all the time Mm -hmm. right um so this is then when we get introduced officially to learning a little bit more about christine and then get introduced to billy played by john travolta who was in blowout that's the movie i forgot (laughs) blowout is the movie that (laughs) brian de palma directed after this with Uh, travolta in it I found this scene to be utterly awkward. Um, and I, all I wanted to do was like make fun of them after the fact and also question why the fuck they have such a toxic relationship where it's very mm-hmm. abusive. You know, I've never seen someone drink a beer so sloppily where they to literally drink have beer? it all over. Literally. Yeah. Ha- who, it's like, who? it's like um, they handed him a can or they threw it from the other car and he was like, Oh God, I need to act like I've drank out of a can before. And he just dumps it all over his fucking face. Most of the Votech so kids bad. I knew would know how to drink a beer by 15. Yeah. <laughs> or like you drank out of a can yeah. before. John, I honestly, John Travolta gives me the creeps so bad in all yeah. aspects of in this a, movie everything or, in I life. Was like, He's such yeah. a fucking yeah, I creep. I think he looks creepier as an, as an older For gentleman For sure. Now. Yeah. I don't know if I, like he looks like way more plastic. Yeah. Now like he, is, he looks you know. very strange, but he he For feels sure. like he has 
done terrible things. Did you see that commercial where he played yeah. Santa Claus? Well, in this movie, he yeah, did. he did in this one. Oh, did you see yeah. that commercial from like this year or last year where he's like Santa Claus mm-hmm. and yeah. freaking like Samuel Jackson and him? It's like a Capital One commercial or some shit. Oh, you know what I'm no. talking about? Ugh. Oh my god, it's so fucking creepy. John Travolta has aged into like. Kathy, he's Kathy Bates now. I don't know why. Like he looks like he looks like Kathy Bates now in real life. It's so strange. And he's of like course misery? like a Scientologist. And no, he looks like Kathy. Kathy Bates and him could be twin twin sisters now. Like they Oof. look so much alike to me. I don't know why. Um, um that's gonna be an Instagram post. Whole thing, Kathy you. Bates are twin sisters. Uh, <laughs> Separated yeah. at birth. Spread the word, twin everybody. <laughs> Um, but I, I feel like I'm trying to like really understand why this scene was significant. And it's just in so much that we're understanding they're very toxic people. And I'm going to ju- jump down to when we really understand, like, cause they clearly go somewhere. I thought John Travolta was going to like turn around and like drop her off somewhere, but he clearly just turned around and then brought her to a makeout spot that was secluded. And then she gives pretty much like a blowjob, probably harmonica style. <laughs> and like basically is like i hate carrie and then that's when they start plotting well she's she's blowing him while she's talking to him and i'm like are yeah, you a ventriloquist yeah. okay. match. yeah that didn't match <laughs> are you a full-on ventriloquist because you're going harmonica style and just talking in perfect clear enunciated english yeah perfect maybe i mean it's like or maybe maybe every time she comes up she's just like i hate <laughs> i guess i don't but she wasn't moving it was i'm trying to understand yeah, the form, yeah. or maybe maybe she had a completely new form in that john church revolta has never been blown by a woman before so what she was only, doing was only, just tuck- only only uh oh god i blew the joke because i couldn't remember what the scientologist guy's name is <laughs> what's his name Tom Cruise? No, Tom Cruise. The guy who started Scientology. All of them? El- I can oh. say Elon Musk. Oh. <laughs> There's He's only a matter of time for that fucker. That's, that's, that's a separate cult. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, She maybe she's just tucking, you know, she's tucking it under her neck, under her chin, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> she's she's doing a whole different wow. style. <laughs> Guys, I'm taking yeah. notes. <laughs> under the chin. Oh yeah. God! Tuck it under the chin. Give a speech. <laughs> give a speech. <laughs> Jesus oh. Christ! Um, so, <laughs> getting back on tracks mildly. So we clearly know that that's like foreshadowing. They're gonna they're gonna work on something. We're gonna learn a little bit more what's going on. So uh, we cut to uh, Tommy finds Carrie in the library because Carrie's still trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with her. Um, he asks her what she's doing. She's like, I'm just reading about sewing because that's what high school girls do. <laughs> and he asks her to go to prom. She runs off and she's kind of upset and she like really just thinks that they're fucking with her and that they're just going to make fun of her. And Miss Collins like kind of comes in to support her and console her and tell her how beautiful she is. And then she turns to Sue and Tommy being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, what is going on here? And again, this leads to believe that there is ulterior motives. But Tommy still actually persists, asks Carrie to go to prom. They're going to go to prom. You you know who I just realized Tommy also looks like? We talked about he looks like Tommy from Tommy. But he also, when he smiles, he looks so much like Ed Helms. Like from The Office and stuff. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go yeah. back. Oh my look. god, I, I was the whole time I look yeah, at him going, "Who does he look like?" And it just it just came to me. Yeah, interesting. Hard hitting stuff, um, guys. <laughs> super hard hitting. Like this is the deep diving stuff that we wanted. Um, so the fans are here so for that deep to... diving stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Carrie having dinner with her mom, and you can tell at this point, like Carrie's at least. Granted, I don't think it's like super blatant, but you can tell that Carrie's gaining more confidence in what's going on with her. So she's understanding that she has this power, and she's not going to let her mom control her anymore. And she's just basically. Like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going mom and things are going to change around here. And, um, you know, she has this like come to Satan moment where she's like, I'm actually stronger than you mama. And, uh, I just want to keep calling her mom mama. Cause it's just so <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable through the whole thing. She's basically um, the water boy. And, and, I mean, can we just say that Carrie yeah. is basically the water boy? <laughs> <laughs> she is. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then we cut to the scene where Billy, Christine, and a bunch of or a couple of Billy's friends they go and they get the pig's blood, and this is the saddest point in the movie, which for me, I think it, I think it's also the like the least necessary scene. I do. I can agree with that too. I don't, yeah, they I, definitely like, need, need that. I just I don't know. I it doesn't do anything for the drama. And again, you're not like Carrie's not in it. Tommy and Sue aren't in it. It's just kind of yeah. like. We don't. We don't yeah, need to see it happen. If they would have gotten blood of sorts, we didn't even need to really know where it came from. You know, the, I don't think. Yeah. The thing it yeah. did. The the one thing it did do. I, I would. I would probably agree with you guys. I think the one thing it did do though was it showed that John Travolta, whatever his fucking name is, John Travolta's character, Billy, Billy is such a piece yeah. of shit. Complicit. Like, yeah, because the, yeah, he's yeah. complicit. The the and the he's scene. a piece of shit, but he doesn't go to school with him. So yeah, yeah. who scene, cares what? Yeah, that's true. He's he, he's definitely yeah. kind of an inconsequential character, but he yeah. in their um in the scene where they're in the car and he like hits her and he literally like mm-hmm. assaults her. God, he, he's straight up. But then she like she's into that. Yeah, she's clearly wants she's like wants him to to do that. Right. Like I'm not you know, he it's it's this very fucked up. She's playing he's dumb as a fucking box of rocks. He's obviously like an abusive dickhead asshole like sadistic but then mm-hmm. also she's like manipulating him so hard into right. doing whatever she wants but in this scene you're like oh no he's like a fucking psychopath too oh yeah, yeah. he's a psycho yeah. i think i feel like the one thing you maybe would want but it's not again it's not necessary to the story that you're telling but like if you put in a scene of like christine at home and you learn like that her dad's an abusive fuck too mm-hmm then it right. makes sense because then it would kind of tie more into why she's attracted to like this abusive piece of shit. Right. And also why psychopath. she's such a bitch. And, like, and why, why she's, she's a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, she, she, she can't act out against the person who's abusing her. So she acts out against Carrie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, but she's also attracted to Billy because it reminds her of her father or whatever. If you want to do some yeah. simple Freudian psychology, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty A to B stuff. Um, so then we go into this montage of all the kids getting ready for prom. Carrie's like prepping her dress; she's sewing it, so on and so forth. We have different scenes where it's like certain other kids are like making fun of Tommy for taking Carrie to prom and stuff like that. And then we get to the scene where basically like Carrie's mom tries one last time to be like please don't fucking go to prom like they're going to make fun of you blah 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 and then this is when her powers get really strong and she's just like shut up sit down and pushes her onto the bed I think twice at that point 
Um, Tommy picks her up and now we're at prom and throughout the whole thing, you're, you know, I feel like we get all these cliches and maybe it's like, because it's been become a trope over time about how high school is, but like seeing Carrie being complimented and Tommy being so nice. These are things that I felt like I was just like, this is skeptical. Nope. This is all shady. This is all shady. (laughs) But we really understand that like some of the most evil people were actually just Christine and Billy. Mm -hmm. Um, cause everybody else was like. Gen- generally speaking, like she's feeling genuinely accepted, you know, for like the first yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And like, right. Yeah. Cause kids are like, kids are dicks to each other constantly, obviously. But at this yeah. moment, I think they were all kind of like, oh, it's all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like it felt genuine for everyone but those right. the two psychopaths. Sure. Who couldn't yeah, let sure. things go. And it's, it's also because we've been. We've not been given any scenes as much as we're given with too much of Chris and Billy. Mm-hmm. We're honestly not given a whole lot with between Tommy and Sue. Mm-hmm. Sure. And some of the scenes that we are given is also with the coach and the coach is full on suspicious of them. Right. right. So we're living more with the coach's suspicion rather than any pure intention they may have. For sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because you've been proven that she is she is someone you can trust the coach. So mm-hmm. you want to yeah. trust her. Instincts. Right. 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 So Tommy, like, um, I think initially it's almost comes off like he's trying to make her feel bad for not wanting to stay late. But then it's like, hey, yeah, no, let's just go do this. And then we'll go say hi. Then we'll go do our thing. Um, And again, like the reflecting that you can have on it is way deeper than really this, like the self or this surface level shit that's going on. So Tommy and her dance, he kisses her. Like all this stuff is just like, Oh my God, this is too perfect and something bad's going to happen. So now we're going to vote for prom king and queen. Tommy suggested they vote for themselves. And then we see that like Billy and Christine are hiding and waiting to like enact their evil plan. They're hiding underneath the stage. Um, Do you guys think the the scene of, of her, cause she doesn't want to vote for herself and Tommy's right. like, no. And she's like, no, that would be that like, that wouldn't be right. I think part of her doesn't right. want the recognition, but also like she doesn't feel right about that. And then Tommy yep. is like, fuck it. Like, let's vote for it. Let, let's just be vain let's about it or whatever. It. Vote for ourselves. Yeah. And they all, I, I don't know what like Brian De Palma's intentions were on this, but like, is that supposed to be the time where she kind of gives in to being like selfish and then is like punished for it like it took i took mm. it as like that was the vote that put them over the edge and they won and then that's what happened with the you know with the bucket and everything so it's almost like mm. an adam and eve like she touched the forgive the forbidden fruit which was I, you know the mm. selfishness and the materialism sure. and whatever it is and it ultimately led to her demise and that's the only part I about it that kind of made me uncomfortable because it kind of felt like it was like shaming her for I, voting for herself or something. I could almost I could almost see that though if there weren't other characters completely manipulating the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if like if they just voted for themselves, there's highly likelihood they would not have gone right. voted. Um but it was that chick what is the character with the hat's name? I fucking I forget like, it's that. PJ Souls um, the actress, but I, that's why yeah. I just kept writing down her um, name. She was the one who straight up just handed in the that's like, true. They the stuffed the ballot, ballot, they stuffed like the ballot yeah. box. Yeah, they did because yeah. they were clearly trying to purposely make this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if she didn't get 
prom queen, she wouldn't have been as upset. Mm -hmm. She would have just been like happy that she did something for herself and like did something nice Mm -hmm. that showed that she loved herself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think it was set up to be that way that that you're explaining, Brian, of Mm -hmm. like touching. I think it is there. There is a resignation to finally going along with what Tommy wanted to do. But she'd also already done that with going out and dancing. Yeah, maybe it's Mm. like that was the final, like she's now fully letting her guard down. Right. For sure. Kind of thing. And I mean, it could have led to probably better things if Christine didn't do what she did. So, um, yeah. So this is when we start seeing everything kind of come to play. So they get elected prom king and queen. We notice that Sue is actually showing up. And you again, you're led to believe, I think, for a while there that nah, she just wants to see something shitty happen to her. Like we get this sl- like cute fairy tale slow walk to stage. Miss um, Collins is very, like she's showing how excited she is. Um, and so is the school seemingly. Um, and then all of a sudden we like Miss Collins eventually looks over and sees that Sue noticed something underneath the stage. And this is where everything clicks, where we're like, no, her and Tommy were actually trying to do something nice, even though Tommy was hesitant and he definitely was like, he didn't really want to be there. He ended up having a good time. And this is when we find out that she had no idea what Christine and Billy were doing. Um, but Miss Collins thinks that Sue is in on it and like grabs her and pulls her out. And this leads to Christine dumping the pig's blood on fucking Carrie White. Um, that like lead up scene. this is when scene, shit hits a fan. Yeah. That, that like lead up scene. That's the, I would say the only thing in the movie that always strikes me is like, it was a lot was that, scene of uh or that sequence where she notices it's, it's a it's a wonderful one take is what it is yeah that, it's oh it's long they really yeah, drag it, is, it, it is, out yeah, yeah, it is but the music makes it good because the music's great in that scene but it's just like you could have shown for three seconds her looking down her noticing sue noticing something grab her so, you know what have you done but instead yeah. it's like yeah it's almost like Guys, do you see what's happening? Guys, do you see what's happening? Then, you know, maybe, maybe it, yeah, maybe it was like being padded a little bit with the slow mo. I don't. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't seem like I that type felt of movie. The same but... thing about the beginning scene where it was a slow mo through the locker room. Like it didn't need to be that long either. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, I mean, the other thing is, is like you're saying, like so, like that cut between the coach and Sue and the under the stage and all that. Like the the other part of that is like the drama has been killed because you already had that long one take to show that the bucket is yeah. up above the rafters. Right. And so it's like sh- by showing that the trap is set, it's like, well, we don't care. You know, it, yeah, it doesn't hold the same kind of weight. Sure. It like it holds yeah. weight for the gym teacher, but not necessarily for the viewer. You know what I mean? I would right, really exactly. be curious. I wish I was there a time and place because I'm curious how things felt then. You know, I think we are mildly jaded by everything being paced differently now mm-hmm. and i think you know those type of things are caught way sooner and that's taken in consideration versus then maybe mm-hmm. it was like a you know a film you know production type thing or you know like maybe it's the only way they could do it and maybe at that time it felt they needed that drama like yeah, maybe they were slow like you know <laughs> Or maybe it's just Brian De Palma didn't want to give up his beautiful one take that he shot. <laughs> maybe, maybe it, that's two. And, you know and, what? 
Maybe yeah. I'm trying he just to come didn't want to give up. He them. didn't want to give up his shots that he makes because he's very he's yeah. a very deliberate and beautiful director. Mm-hmm. But he just didn't want to give that shot up because with that shot, the audience is ahead of the characters, mm-hmm. and you never want sure. that. Yeah. You never want your audience ahead of the characters because then we get to sitting around going, "All right, already, yeah, drop yeah, yeah. the bucket. Sure. We get it. The buckets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a good way yeah, to put yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then. I I feel like Carrie's face during this time is literally like I don't know another actor that could probably do that sort of look that was so fucking horrifying. Yeah. I actually would love to think about an actor that would be be able to do that type of look now. But um she has just like such an iconic face for it. And um, the eyes she, that she does yeah. yeah. A few times Holy throughout shit. this movie, the it would have been a completely ho hum scene if it wasn't for the freaking look on her face mm-hmm. yeah i also feel like she has interesting facial characteristics like i almost thought she had like a nose job and maybe she did but like i feel like she was so young in this that if she just has like very sharp she's got figures, this so very, she's gorgeous yeah she, she's got but know. she's got this very like like pixie-ish you know kind yeah, of like yeah, look yeah, to yeah. her for sure like what's her name from yeah. from uh 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 the roman polanski movie um, where she gives birth to uh, the Antichrist. Oh, Rosemary's oh, baby. Rosemary's baby. baby. Yeah. What's the yeah? What's yeah. the the the, the woman I'm in Rosemary's baby? Um, Sharon Tate. Was it Sharon Tate? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. I was like, I don't think it was. No, the main person in in Rosemary's baby that she was married to, like, uh, yeah. was she married to Frank Sinatra or something? She reminds me of her. They look a lot alike. They both have this very like kind of. Um, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I always get um, Sissy Spacek and Mia Farrow mixed up because they yeah. look a lot like. So Carrie goes apeshit. She locks all the doors and then she grabs the fire hose and is just like, I'm, this is going to hurt them. So I'm going to fuck them up with a hose mm-hmm. and start soaking them all over. Everyone's getting in a panic trying to get out. And I think some people end up drowning or getting like knocked out. Uh, Miss Collins ends up getting like basically smashed with a figure and dying. Um, and then we start getting the electrocution because there was first the one character um, that, was trying to grab it and it started hitting the lights and then it turned the next electrocution was the principal who then was like grabbing the microphone yada 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 and he turned this into one Marv she gets... from Home Alone too <laughs> like, he's just like oh, <laughs> just starts to do skeleton <laughs> moment um, and uh, the building ends up catching on fire um, and the, this is when shit goes down and I think and this is pretty much when everyone dies so we then cut to like Carrie basically is like fuck this shit fuck all you you're all fucking dead and what I like about this moment too is it had nothing to do with any one person but I think at the same time we lo- we can reflect that's like none of you stopped this from happening so all of you can go fucking die mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. none of you actually tried to help me. So as she's, like, leaving, well, though... she's imagining um, them laughing, right. even yeah, when they're yeah. not. she is a little delusional, too. I can definitely But it's definitely, definitely like that. she's just... It's her... It's towards just, like, you know... I don't want to say, like, society in general, but it's definitely, like, sure. uh, yeah, just fuck the whole lot of you. Yeah, yeah it didn't matter who it was. Yeah. It wasn't just the girls. It wasn't just the guys that were, like, you know, it wasn't teachers or anyone... You know, it was everyone. She's like, none of you. Um... 
So as Carrie uh, leaves, she's walking down the road all bloody. She's like, I'm fucking going home. Uh, we see Christine and Billy who did make it out because they like dipped out a little bit early. They try to hit her and she uses her powers to move the car and basically flip it and it catches on fire, which is like an odd way for it to catch on fire. And it was a little dramatic, dramatized, <laughs> but like at the same time, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty cool car wreck though. I'll, yeah, I'll take it's, it. It's, it was. It was. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you think this sucked overall though? What the like, sequence? What? Yeah, just the sequence of the of the car wreck. Just cause not so much. In oh the... yeah, no, no, it was awkward. It was awkward because it flipped, and then you ca- you see a flame, and then you see them, and you're like, you guys should be dead already. And then we like see an explosion. Yeah, I also just felt like it was totally unsatisfying because it happened so quickly. Yeah, I just didn't feel like they really got a good cup up after watching oh, like yeah. a bunch of innocent people. <laughs> Like sure. get hosed down and electrocuted and set on fire, yeah. And then just yeah. like this one quick little clip of car wreck, boom, bang. Yeah, it, it. because it does like do this. Like, yeah, it is. It's like very yeah. rapid succession where the car like is a hundred yards away and then it's there. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it's kind of like true, Carrie. Like the way she's using her telekinesis, it's becoming so quick and rapid that I think, like, it, in my mind, it didn't throw me off. Besides what I explained already, but more so like. It would make sense that it'd be quick. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess it's also just unsatisfying to me because she never really gets a full confirmation that it was Billy and Christine that did this to her. Mm-hmm. it's just mm, it's just true. like it's just like she just sees as far <sighs> from her perspective she just sees a car that's about to hit her and she says yeah. fuck that yeah yeah and she they're it's, trying it, to hurt me not, so yeah it's not like oh how could you do this mode. to me and then she you know immolates them or something like that it's just like yeah well it's weird because she never it never seems it's like she's always defending herself even mm-hmm. when she sure. is like on the offensive you know with uh um you know obviously in the gym and everything she's never picking any one person out and she's never right. like got a look on her face that's like now you now you it's just she's yeah. just kind of in berserker mode and right and that's why they're saying like rampage and i like, think it, she took it rampage. as like because and this is a part i guess i'm a little bit unclear on did tommy did the bucket kill tommy <laughs> It knocked him out. Well, I yeah, think it like, killed him the bonk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because even before that, the they fire. like checked it. They like checked his pulse and stuff. Like, yeah. Anyway, so I think she's kind of like, oh, you did this. You like attacked us, kind of thing. So I'm like defending myself. I feel like the car mm-hmm. was that yeah. same thing of like I'm just yeah, reactionarily sure. defending myself. And and yeah. even and even the fire in the gym, she doesn't start it. It right. happens because the the dumbass principal grabs the microphone, gets electrocuted yeah. and falls into another electric system. Yeah. She didn't, so she didn't purposefully murder anybody. Yeah. Right. Or maybe she did. I don't know. But well, she purposely <laughs> murdered yeah. Billy and Christine, I guess, but yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> After this, Carrie gets home and she walks in and there's just like candles all over. So her mother is clearly going through a fucking thing. <laughs> Looking back, you know, that's a great way. Her <laughs> gets home, there's candles. There. You just said that like you've experienced the exact same thing. You're like, you comes know, home, I'm candles on Instagram and TikTok. She's I understand what girls do. Going through a We're going through a thing. thing. Light some candles. We're all good here. Um, and so Carrie immediately goes to like shower, which I found this to be 
a kind of hilarious seeing some like a she has blood all over her pig's blood not to mention and she's deciding to take a bath and like marinate in that it's shit pretty gross no nah, bro yeah like, baths are gross and, it's just person soup get, get out of your yeah. own soup yeah and take a shower and, like an uh, adult but as she's walking to the bathroom, I found it to be perfectly creepy that you can actually see her mom behind the door and she just waits there the entire time that she's in the bath. Mm-hmm. And then we don't actually see that she comes out until she gets out and she's like ask, like calling for her. And then her mother clearly is like gone through her process. She went from like top to bottom. She's like, nope, I got to It's my fault. I'm going to kill my daughter because I should have done this long time ago. Mm-hmm. Stabs her daughter basically and then throws her down the stairs and this is when carrie's like well you're trying to kill me then fuck you and basically crucifies her mother yeah she turns her into yeah yeah, jesus mama pain cushion (laughs) yeah superstar (laughs) jesus mama superstar pain cushion (laughs) um and then the house, I feel like, I I think, like, even just rewatching this, I was trying to, like, understand the house, ca- like, basically closing in itself. Like, it wasn't condemned, but I feel like it was almost still, like, this energy thing that was basically causing the house to deconstruct. And it was just, like, or it was, like, a portal to actually portal hell or something like that that we're, like, being exposed to. But I don't really think it's that. I, I, I don't know I, what you guys take away. I feel like at this point, the mo- the movie gets really metaphorical. And yeah. that just like the, you know, the home that was built is being collapsed. It's because, I mean, the, the whole film is obviously an allegory for growing up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I would say most of us probably, you know, all of our high, graduating high school isn't dead, but they're dead to us. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that, that's an interesting metaphor for yeah. yeah, I can understand that. So it's like we're you leave behind you leave behind your you know friends from high school. You leave behind the things that your parents tried to uh, instill in you. You know, some of them. You know, I, I don't know anybody who's a one to one recreation of their parents without a little rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like Steve is turning into the sensitive creature tonight. You're taking the torch, bud. Yeah. It's just I've been I've been through this film in film school, so we went through yeah, all this yeah. stuff before. So yeah. sure, okay, gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I think you want to hear yeah. what I think. I think this mm. is a prequel to <laughs> sure. Poltergeist, and sure. and I think that Carrie is the Poltergeist in Poltergeist. Oh, and she just knows how to collapse yeah. houses. That's yeah, how she well, goes. And she yeah, just she, that's knows her specialty. how to talk like a fucking dude. Mm. And <laughs> listen, Jesus in the afterlife, there is no gender. You're just a poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So then we're just going through the motions of like Sue is the only one left alive, and we initially think that she's going to like this like memorialize fucking Carrie because she clearly was one of the people who like was trying to be kind to her Mm -hmm. and then come to find out it's a dream because she grabs her hand which was a nice jump scare at the end I think it's beautiful and she wakes up and she's actually having a panic attack and all this bullshit and stuff like that and uh end scene guys yeah iconic jump scare ending I mean yep um one of my favorite descriptions of this was basically Carrie's um, kill scene was basically an orgy of fire and death. And I kind of liked that a lot. <laughs> orgy of fire and death. <laughs> yeah, that was like one of my favorite reviews. Of we it. do like a satanic like um, parody band of like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. 
And we could talk, <laughs> we could call Orgy of Fire and Death would be like an album oh name for that band. That also <laughs> sounds like a power metal like song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking Dragon Force, yeah, yeah. guys. Like, oh, or, or Man of War. Woo! That's a real Man of War yeah. song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's my movie. And again, I'm sticking by it. That's my movie. That's my movie. And, the, and I'm sticking to it. And when you're, when you're the underdog. <laughs> All right. So we've, we've gone, we've gone through the flicks and uh, it is that time, boys and girls, to vote. Um, I think I'll, do I pick the order in which you people can. vote? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I I'm gonna say. Uh, I feel fairly confident you guys weren't that crazy about my flag. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was crazy about it in yeah. different ways for this topic. It was well. Not my let's favorite. do this then. How about you guys? Uh, how, how about Meg? You you kick it off because I think I I'm pretty confident. I know you're gonna vote for for yours probably yeah. right. Um. Yeah, no, I'm voting for mine because I felt like I think we all touched on high school that we hit the topic, but I feel like mine was like based in high school. It was about high school and it still had the, all the cool horror elements mm. of it. So I'm still sticking with mine. What do you think about that, Steve? I mean, is it that much of a horror movie, though? <laughs> is it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 110%. Ah, you can... The Google's you get told some. Me. I mean, I'm, it, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not a horror movie. I'm just saying, is it that much of a horror movie? Shut up. It's Steve. like on the Shut level up, of like Silence of the Lambs. There's horror elements, sure, and then the most of it is back back ended at the very end. But you get a lot of procedural drama, and it's just kind of say this about so many movies. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> he is sitting here straight face, so staring smart. us in the face, trying to tell us that Brian De Palma's <laughs> nope. Carrie is not really that much of a horror movie. Jaws, um, Jaws sure is really more of a, of a nature film. <laughs> I'm a snake. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? <laughs> no, I feel like Steve understands film so much. He's like, I know how to manipulate yeah, this guy. That's I'm what in, I'm, I'm here for. <laughs> so, um, no, Steve, give your order. Come on. Oh, yeah. Come no, on. of course. I'm going to go with Scream 2. It's it's a lot. It's it's far more fun. It doesn't bring up all the trauma of high school. You know, you have a fun Thanks time. Thanks threatening you get... us with a knife via Zoom yeah. right now, by the way. <laughs> You get all kinds of, you know, you get a lot of fun meta to play with, but there's still fun jump scares. There's a good bit of gore. It's got a little bit of everything. And it doesn't gratuitously, you know, have a bunch of Merkin work <laughs> just for the sake of, you know, fun <laughs> that way. Merkin it's not work. a pervert film. It's not a pervert film. <laughs> you guys have pervert films. It's disgusting. I love how Steve always tries to take the moral high ground on the horror podcast. He's always like, you guys are a bunch of fucking degenerates. <laughs> I, except for I'm also the one that makes you watch Tokyo Gore Police. And it also, all depends. And also, previously to the break, you had Garfield with nipple clamps. Yes, you. yes. Very true. Yes, let's talk. About Look, that. it all depends on which position I'm defending. Yeah, right, I right. will defend every position. I am the best <laughs> devil's advocate ever. <laughs> all right. Well, here here's what I'm going to do. Um, this this is going to be a first. Uh, in 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 uh, Halloween is forever history. I am not gonna vote for my movie. Wowzer! Oh my God. Not because oh my God. I don't love it. I absolutely do love it. 
but there is a movie that yeah. I think deserves pretty clearly to to win this movie uh, or win this this showdown. And uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I almost picked it. I don't necessarily um, ha- respect the person who picked it because it's a fucking <laughs> absolute atom bomb of a movie. <laughs> but I will reluctantly vote for Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Meg just Meg, Meg just frog splashed her desk. Um, yes, it is a fantastic Sick. movie. It is a fantastic movie. It's like if we did Exorcist and somebody did like we did exorcism movies and somebody picked the exorcist. Like, right. it's gonna, it's gonna I feel win. like this it's gonna is win. almost my Beetlejuice movie, though. You know what I mean? Yes, it was definitely Disney. your. It was definitely your. Um, uh, uh, Yes, you picked. If we said like animal, you know, animal attacks horror, and somebody picked Jaws, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yes, right. it's gonna fucking it's, win. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's one of the you best picking movies Jaws ever made. and us put, picking Sharktopus you know and Sharktopus Two. It's yeah. called Strategy. I pick, guys. I pick, it's I pick strategy. Santa. I'm gonna pick Santa Jaws if we ever do that. By <laughs> the way, is that actually a movie? Oh fuck yes, yeah, Santa yes, Jaws. It's great. It's great. Santa, Santa Jaws or the Shark Exorcist. That just. Yeah. I still haven't watched the Shark Exorcist. It's on my to-do list. Oh my god! Can we please add a category for just like underwater? Not like like animal underwater. Like we're basically (laughs) that it's like any sort of Jaws related or shark related movie or shark horror. I think we have sea creatures in our. We have sea creatures. I think if you want to get into this dog shit shark stuff, you just have to put. (laughs) We we have to make a category called Tubi Sharks. It's just <laughs> like exactly whatever sharks. What I was gonna say exactly yeah. Tubi Sharks. I was gonna say That's we need great. to do a Tubi Sharks episode. We need to find a, like a shark expert um, yeah. or or somebody you know a, a, a marine biologist to come on the show <laughs> and talk about like, how plausible uh, Tubi Shark Week is. Um, <laughs> Tubi Shark Week. Oh fuck! That's July. Oh my god! That's <laughs> oh, fucking July. Late. That's gonna put be it on your stadium. calendars, guy. July is to be Shark Week, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, it could be to be Shark Month because we do a to be Shark Showdown, yeah. and then all the subsequent films are sh- to be Sharks. To, to be, be Shark Week. Shark Week. I'm fucking on board with it for sure. Um, I'm taking vacation on Shuby to be Shark Shuby Tark Week. <laughs> Shuby Tark Week. <laughs> um, just so I can get deep into them tubies, but. Um, well, uh, congratulations, Meg. Uh, I got the, I, I, up until this point, possessed the belt and had not seen it uh, yeah. because Steve is holding it hostage. It better be delivered to my house, bro. <laughs> Meg is doing this big cartoonish pointing to her desk. I'm just going to carry right Bruce around over my head for like the next hour. While <laughs> Bruce I- is the new championship. <laughs> Bruce is the new belt. I'll tie him. Around. You see, just spray paint him gold. Sorry, just carry buddy. him around. Sorry, buddy. Sorry about your luck. Um, well, this was uh, this was a fun episode. Um, yeah. Now, Meg uh, gets to pick uh, um, obviously a punishment uh, mini sode for next week. I'm so, cool do you know with, what you're going to pick? Or think, are you going to wait? I think let's just go with what we talked about earlier in the film with what Mac is, and me. Fuck yeah, dude! That's, it's not I, a horror film at all. It's not. It's not a horror. <laughs> Damn no, it! No, no, sorry. We should have mentioned that. It's not. No, okay, no, we should have mentioned that. I'll tell you guys tomorrow. I'll come up with something. Okay, okay. It's 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 the horrors of capitalism, but it's not the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a horror show, but I wouldn't call it the horror genre of movies. I would say, how about this? 
if you get a chance, watch it, and we should briefly discuss it because it is fucking hilariously stupid. We need we need to really set up a Patreon so we can do extra episodes for Mac and Me, for Bloodsport. <laughs> That's true. For Punisher Warzone. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Bloodsport. That's so fucking funny. Bloodsport. Yes. No, I agree with that. These are I, these I are all films we've brought up in the past that we need to watch, but they're not horror. Yeah. So we have Friday to... next Friday, Friday yeah. after next. Um, but uh, That's anywho, fucking hilarious. All right, cool. We uh, we've we've got a new champ, guys. I hate to say it, uh, but but Meg Meg is going to take it home. Tune in uh, next week to see what uh, punishment movie she picks for us, um, and uh, and we deserve, and we'll eat it up, and we'll say thank you, ma'am. May we have another? Will um, I be a and- kind leader this time? <laughs> Guess what? The leader's back, and I'm calling myself the leader again. <laughs> yeah. Meg is basking in her newly found leadership role. Um, <laughs> But if you have any questions, like let's say you have some suggestions for To Be Shark Week, please give them uh, to us uh, in the form of a social media or an email, uh, social media direct message or an email or something like that. Check us out over on the Instagrams at Halloween is Forever, at Hallow Forever on Twitter, at Halloween is Forever on Facebook, at Hallow Forever Pod on the TikToks, or Halloween is Forever Pod it. Uh, gmail.com um, if you want to send an email because we have actually you went through a decent amount of our suggestions now and we probably are due for a little bit of a refresh so throw them our way we've got a couple in the last couple of weeks but we need some more um, yeah anything else next week we'll next week we'll probably draw what it is mm-hmm. right we'll, we'll yeah, pick next three week, from there yeah next week we'll draw what the uh, categories are and then you'll be able to vote on them yeah. so, so keep, you got keep an any- eye on all those socials yeah, and if you got any, throw them our way ASAP on account of we're going to pick it here in a few days. So, uh, cool. A lot of fun. We'll see you next week with a punishment mini sewed boys and ghouls. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.